Good morning. It is Danger Dan here in the talk shop. We got a winter wonderland happening here in North Texas. And I got a great show for you. Last week, Liam Kennedy stopped by on his way across the country with a trailer full of choppers. Well, trailer full of motorcycles. He had a bunch of chopper parts, motors, race bikes. He had everything. He's doing some deliveries, making some cash, seeing the country, taking advantage of his situation. Uh, We talk about taking photos, traveling around the country on a bike, uh, his time spent in the Navy on the ship out at sea, and uh, this beautiful book that he has got in the works for you. Let's get into it. Extermination Day with Thou Shall Not Hassle. Thank you, Zach at Heavy. Check out Heavy Clothing at heavy.bigcartel.com. Dude, I came in late last night about midnight, right as the shit started freezing. Cars started stacking up on the highway. I've been in New Orleans the past four days. Actually, met a read to be exact over at BMB Racing. We literally built a race bike in two and a half days. And if I wouldn't have uh, ordered some wrong shit, it would be completely done. I got to ride it around the streets of Metairie with no fucking brakes. That's a little bit sketchy, trying to figure out how to use a tank shift. I uh, We actually started off with a jockey shift because we didn't have all the tank shift pieces. And... Uh, Man, this is going to be so much fucking fun. I cannot thank the B&B racing crew enough, dude. Uh, Billy made a phone call. Troy came over, fucking smoked meats all day on Monday. It's funny. I show up, and Billy's all pissed off that not everybody's there on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. I'm like, dude, they all got fucking jobs. It's all right, dude. But it gave me and Billy time to check it all out, figure out what we needed to make everything happen, and we got to work, dude. We got to work. I showed up with some parts I got from Lowbrow and WW Cycles. He had the motor, the transmission, and the frame. And, uh, dude, he did not like the way I laced the wheels up at all. So that had to be redone right out of the fucking gate. But it was a roller before the day was over, and we were assembling the drivetrain at the beginning of the first day. You know, the spacers, the hub. You know, all that shit was made the first day, and my gosh, the stance is fucking perfect. The wheels turned out sick. You know, I wasn't sure what he was going to say about the WW Cycles, or the the Bates Bajas I, I put on the 19s, and uh, he was stoked. He thought they fucking looked fucking rad, which they obviously look rad, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not concerned about their application on the pavement, but I thought he would be because it's a pretty aggressive tire, right? And this is a pave, the first race is pavement. But uh, no, no, he's fucking stoked. I'm stoked. 
Uh, it was sick, dude. A bunch of dudes came over Monday. Everybody was stoked. I think we fired it up Monday. Yeah, we fired, We got it all together. And the third fucking kick, it fired up. And then uh, Tuesday was, you know, we spent the day working on fine-tuning the, the primary setup and the shifting and the seat and some welding mountain fucking brackets for the exhaust dude it was it was super fucking rad to see it all come together in the amount in the amount of time that it did and billy opening up his shop to me he doesn't you know he kept making jokes about how he doesn't work on chassis or drive like he doesn't work on any of that he does motors and transmissions and he is the fucking man so uh, that being said, if you want to reach out, look him up. BMB Racing, and there's no social media. Uh, there's a simple website that's probably as old as the internet, and I think there's a phone number and email on there. And uh, you know, I don't even know if you're supposed to tell him that I told you to call. <laughs> no, tell him, tell him I told you to call. Uh, man, I. Billy is just a fucking genuine. I mean, they're just, they don't make them like him anymore. So it's been pretty sweet past couple of days and I can't wait to, to get some photos. I took some, I'll probably post something today about, uh, what we did the past few days. Just my, my, uh, the stuff I took on my cell phone. It was, I literally, we got the bike together, the motor and the frame. And I realized I hadn't taken a single fucking photo. You know, we didn't even record a podcast. We literally worked. The first day we worked from 7 to 7, 12 hours. The second day wasn't as jam-packed, and we got done a little bit earlier. And then the third day I was like, fuck, we gotta, we're waiting on the mail to show up. We've got to put these parts together, and i got to hit the fucking road to get home before it's like frozen out. And I got, I mean, it all happened just in the nick of time. It was rad. It was super fucking rad. But still got a little bit. I mean, he told me. He was like, dude, so uh, I'm going to go back out there on the way to Daytona or before then. I dropped off the Ironhead motor for uh, the Mint 400. And he was like, so you'll have time to do like 100 miles on this thing, right, before you come back for the final tuning and timing adjustment? And I'm like, 100 fucking miles without brakes? I don't know where the – I don't even know where to do that. I – yeah, of course I will, Billy. I don't know what I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, a big parking lot. I was thinking Texas Motor Speedway, maybe. Anyhow, see how that all comes together. I need to get some sprockets, and I re- need to order. What do I need? Oh, just a fucking handful of small things. It's gonna happen. It's gonna come together, um, dude. And it's gonna come together. For the Sons of Speed Race, which is March 4th and 5th in Daytona at New Smyrna Speedway. Unfortunately, it's the same weekend as Mama Tried in Milwaukee, so I'll have to come see you guys next time. I already told Scott that I would bring this bike up to put in the show and race it flat out Friday next year. So that'll be sweet. I am going to MC a Chopper show with Chopper's Magazine at the Harley-Davidson Footprint at the Daytona International Speedway on March 7th. It's going to be sick. There's going to be prizes. They're going to be giving away cash prizes to builders. Uh, so don't, if you're going to be in Daytona, don't fucking miss that one. You can't miss Willie's Tropical Time, 
or chop, Willie's Tropical Tattoo Chopper Time show on Thursday. And then Friday is Boogie East presented to you by Lowbrow Customs at Annie Oakley Saloon. You know about Boogie East. We've been talking and going to that one since it started four or five years ago. So uh, the mid 400 will be March 9th through the 13th. Texas Fandango will be the next race. I'll get to put the brakeless bike on the track in Fredericksburg, Texas at the Gillespie County Fairgrounds. That's April 1st and 3rd. We will also be doing the chopper drags. We're also going to do mini bike racing and then flat track racing. That is going to be sick. Chopper show. There's going to be a cheap thrills chopper corral chopper show. There's going to be, you know, it's an antique motorcycle meetup. So it's a swap meet antique bike show in the most, one of the most beautiful places in Texas, Fredericksburg, Texas. So April 1st and 3rd. The next weekend, I'll be racing from Austin, Texas, down to Oaxaca, Mexico with the Mezcal Moto Rally. God, that's going to be fucking sick. May 19th through the 22nd is the Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revival at Loretta Lynn's Ranch, Hurricane Mills, Tennessee. Do not fucking miss that one. That is the... Dude, that show is turning into one of the baddest fucking meetups in the country. Especially if you like dirt bikes and back roads and choppers. Bill Dodge will be doing his Bling Cycles Invitational, inviting some of the baddest builders from around the country to showcase their bikes. Not in the horse barn anymore because it's gone. Uh, June 17th is 18th is the Oklahoma's Family Reunion. Free beer, free camping. Free music, free everything. Just come, ride your choppers and parties. Really, just ride anything out there. Follow the Oklahomies on the gram for more information. June 25th and 26th is Born Free in California. July 9th is Full Tilt Boogie in Minneapolis, Minnesota. July 22nd is the Chop Wizard Invitational at the Run to Raton. JP motherfucking Rodman throwing the Chop Wizard Invitational. Uh, we need to talk about that, JP. We need to talk about that. August 26th and 27th is the Virginia City Roundup put on by the fine folks at Chopper's Magazine. And if you are not in America and you happen to be in the UK that weekend, go check out the Nomad Run. Look up the Nomad Run on the gram. It will pique your curiosity. Uh, that's, that is not it for this year, but that is all that is on the calendar. I think I have, no, I'm, I'm sure of it. There's a, an event in Teleco Plains in March. I need to look up more details, but I believe I'll be riding the Pan America up there by way of this trail I found called the Cat Kentucky Adventure Trail. Sounds sick, right? I know. It's gonna be sick. Uh, this show is brought to you by MC Shop Tees, your T-shirt of the month club. The only way to support every local motorcycle shop. That's right. Today's sh- guest, Liam Kennedy, a.k.a. the Chopper Chug on the gram, just at Chopper Chug, has been taking photos of the shops recently, which is awesome because it's a great way for me to show you guys what these shops are doing and how they're doing it and what they look like when they're doing it. He was just recently in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, taking photos of Wes and his helmet operation, Custom Destruction, 
which will be this month's featured MC Shop Tee. We got art by the fucking badass gorgeous George. And uh, those shirts are actually being printed right now. So if you're not signed up, you ain't getting one of those. But sign up now because next month we got another badass shop we're going to feature. And it just keeps going on. Every month we feature a badass shop. Uh, next month, well, don't even worry about it next month. Well, fuck it. Next month's is Vitsy Boys out of North Dakota, the first shop from North Dakota. And we got a, what was awesome is I hit up Lee about doing the T-shirt design or, you know, figuring out how we're going to, what art we're going to use. And he was like, man, I got this fucking artist that's done a couple shirts and he's badass and he wants to do more. And fuck, I don't have his, uh, his gram in front of me, but he told me the dude's gram and I look him up and I go to send him a message and sure as shit, dude, the dude has already reached out at some point to like, uh, to do art for me. You know, he like, just an artist that was like, hey, if you ever need some shit, I'll get, I'll get his information. Anyways, next month's going to be sick. Sign up for mcshoptees.com now. You can pay monthly. You can buy three, six, and 12-month memberships. I got men's sizes, women's sizes, and kids' sizes, dude. Yeah, if you got fucking kids, they need to be signed up because they're, I mean, they're constantly growing. You got to keep buying them shirts anyways. Heaven forbid you get badass shirts to ship to your fucking house. You can change sizes whenever you want, dude. Sick. Each shirt comes with a postcard that tells you about the shop, where they're located, and what they specialize in. MCShopTees.com, dude. Speaking of supporting, uh, Lowbrow Customs supports me, and they can support you as well. They are fucking the one-stop chopper shop, dude. And they carry some of the baddest fucking brands out there, like WW Cycles, Cannonball, Lead Sled Customs, Fast Eddie Co., Built well. I got a new guy who just reached out to me named Marion Metalworks, and he makes some stuff. Lowbrow supporting the people across this country, and dude, they're just the shit. Check them out at or just yeah, lowbrowcustoms.com. Get on their fucking website, dude. Get on their shit, dude. This bike came together with some badass parts. I can't wait to show you guys that I got from Tyler and the Lowbrow guys. And it's, it's sick. It's fucking sick. I can't wait to get it on the motherfucking track. Anyways, on top of that, we give away a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs each month to you, one of my listeners that has taken time to go over to Danger Dance Talk Shop and sign up to become a patron. Check it out, DangerDanceTalkShop.com. Go to the Patreon support. Sign up. Do five bucks a month. You keep me on the road. You keep me finding guests. You keep me racing down the track. Supporters like you, it's a beautiful fucking thing, man. It is a beautiful thing. Uh, now, I want to talk to you about something I got coming up this year, and I want you to be a part of it because international travel is coming back, dude. The world has spoken, and we will not stand for this bullshit. We are not being held back, right? We're not, dude. The fucking people are changing. The rules are getting less and less strict because people haven't gone anywhere. So I want you to come with me to Nepal. That's right. I'm going back to Nepal with Motorcycle Sherpa. You know, I went three years ago, and if you're not familiar with that, you can scroll back. Just Google um, Stairway to Heaven Danger Dan or Motorcycle Sherpa and Danger Dan, and you will find a podcast, a handful of them. I did a couple with Bear. I've done one with Bear. 
I did three road shows at least while I was over there. It was so sick. I'll post some videos soon from that trip. But we're going back, dude. We are fucking going back. November 1st through the 13th, I believe. Uh, it's on MotorcycleSherpa.com. It's the Stairway to Heaven trip. And it's going to be fucking sick. And there is very, very, very limited room on this trip. So what I need you to do is, is go sign up immediately if you want to go. Because it's not, I mean, the shit ain't, you know. <laughs> there's only like, I don't know how many spots are left. But I think it's less than fucking 10. So go sign up now. We are going to have a fucking blast, dude. Trust me. When you fucking fly, when you land in Kathmandu. The party's on, and then we ride motorcycles and party for 13 days. It's ridiculous. I mean, fucking ridiculous. And I'm sure if you've been listening to the show, you've heard me talk about it many a times. And now's your chance, so go sign the fuck up now, dude. Or don't, and you can just like, you can just hear about what you missed out on. It's up to you. It really is. But until then, let's uh, let's talk to Liam Kennedy, Chopper Chet. We can talk photographs, Navy shit. Um, dude, yeah, here, fucking, let's get into it. It's Liam. Well, yeah. Well, we're already recording, so that's oh. all. <laughs> no, you got my ass. Fuck you. Oh, man. Oh, man, look at us. Hey, Liam. Hey, Dan. Thanks for coming out of your way to come down to Texas. Yeah. Talk well, shop. Yeah, help, man. I can, I'm glad I could help you check your oil. Yeah. Well, I didn't have any oil, so it's kind of hard to check it if there's no oil in the truck. You had well, you had some. I mean, at the angle you were parked. Enough to not blow up the truck. Oh, yeah. Fuck it. You had way more. But, hey, I mean, like. Was it I, making noises? No. It just a, a siren just basically went off. Like, all of a sudden, sound the alarm. You don't have any oil in your truck. You know, like, that's only happened once before, but I just forgot. I've been, like, driving around the country, shipping shit, and I just... But how many miles have you done since you got your oil changed when you left? 3,600 miles. Oh, you've been on? In a week. Hauling that trailer. Hauling. And there's no oil underneath your truck. Not that I'm aware And I didn't notice any smoking. Going too fast, I wonder if, you know, they didn't fill it up all the way to begin with. Well, no, it's happened bef- to me before. Oh, okay. This isn't the first time. So, I mean, it's just like, I guess, one of those trucks where you never need to get an oil change. You just buy more oil yeah, and just, just put more oil in as you go. Keep an eye on that yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to get a stool or something so I can get inside my engine bay. You know, but, or like a sight glass or something. What is hilarious is to see where you decided to park. And then after seeing you back the trailer up, I was like, well, I can understand. Oh, it makes sense, right? I, I can understand why it you all just checks stopped. Out, yeah. You're like, this is good. I like this a, is fine right here. I, well, I'm so used to <laughs> dry, I'm so used to riding a, a chopper like 70 miles an hour in a straight line. I just applied that principle to driving, too, now. Oh, man. Yeah. Look, dude, I, I'm dumb, but I'm not stupid. Okay, that's good. I mean, now that we got that cleared out. Cool. There was some concern, but now I, I feel better. Yeah, I feel a lot better. Now. Could be worse. It's not like I'm totally negligent, you know. It's, well, dude, the way you, the way you sounded on the phone, I was like, "Fuck, I hope I don't have to haul this trailer to California." I, I mean, <laughs> I, I felt I felt like I was pretty nonchalant about it. No, no, it didn't sound nonchalant. No, 
No. Oh man, I got, I'm trying to work on that, dude. I always dude, sound panicked. You did sound panicked. I, I was sound, just like, like, I mean, you were already at Pet Boys. I'm like, I didn't even know there's a fucking Pet Boys well, by my house. I, I think the combination of sleeping for four hours, Adderall and coffee, doesn't exactly like help after you've been driving for 16 hours. I feel like I could be excited and like happy to see you, and I'd still sound like nervous and like <laughs> fucking just like fidgety, like. <laughs> you know, it's like you're just your hilarious whole, your bodies is you, are shot. Is I've been talking to the people that you've been going to see. Like I fucking talked. Oh, really? I talked <laughs> to Wes. Like, right, me? Yeah, like, I, I <laughs> it's to, like the Ghislaine Maxwell trial tracker. You're like trial tracking me around the United yeah, States somehow, right now without even trying. I'm oh just my like, god! Oh fuck! I talked. To, I'm talking to Nick yesterday, yeah, dude. As, Liam pulls up, and I'm I was, like, oh my god! I was there when you answered the phone. That's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. So you got a fucking, you got a hell of a trip lined up. And this was yes. just kind of out of the blue. Last I talked to you, you were flying to Wilmington. Yeah. And then I see a post, you're like, I'm going to drive all over the country. Yeah. So, well, that's a change of plans. I was talking to my buddy, Eric, and Eric is pretty well known for shipping stuff around the United States, but there's this huge gap in people able to ship things right now because everyone is so busy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was just sitting around like... Uh, you know, I, I haven't really worked a normal job. I've been hustling for the last six, eight months. Just, I, I can't really work a normal job. Where I was working in a bar, I was in the military. I had a hip surgery, and that's pretty. You had it, hip surgery? Yeah, I had hip surgery at 26 years old um, from being on ships and uh, skateboarding as well. So conjunction, but uh, so one might not affect the other. But you know, who's to say? So. Uh, I, like can't, you I can't call it. I was fine when I got here. No, I was perfectly, yeah, I was fine when I got there. I mean, they passed my medical. I was fine. Yeah, yeah. I was 19. Um, so I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to try and make photography work. But photography only works for so long. Like you have to, you know, there's going to be slow seasons. So I always try to pick up odd jobs. And because I'm so young, I like want, and I never grew up in an industry like this. So I wanted to like experience something else. You know, I was like, well, I like driving and I like traveling. Like, might as well, like, I, if I can make some money, if not, I just broke even to drive across the entire United States. Like, I just got paid for free. I just traveled for free. Yeah. 10,000 miles for free. No. Like, I, like, I can't find a downside to that other than, like, driving for 24 hours in some, per, some of the most miserable parts of the country. But, again, Where? that's what makes the good. But, that, yeah. but that's what makes it so good because once you drive through the West... All of a sudden, you're in fucking California, you know? You drive, or you're in some, you're, or you're in fucking Big Bend National Park or something. Like, all of a sudden, you're in this oasis out of nowhere. And then it really makes you appreciate it, you know, all exactly. that shit. So, uh, I decided that, like, I was telling him, like, you know, I need to find some way to make money. I just, like, you know, I, I want to get out of the house, you know, I'm feeling cramped. And he was like, well, why don't you ship stuff? I'm like, well, never really thought about it. Like, he's like, well, you know, do do a cost thing, you know. I got some people who need stuff shipped, so I can throw them your way. I said, okay. Well, I'm still unsure. Let's throw a post up on Instagram and see what happens. And if you don't fill up your truck, whatever, fuck it, don't do it. Like that's the option. Go, okay. Well, I can't see a problem in it. Throw up the post, and within literally like two hours, I was full both ways. Like fuck. And that's five bikes shit. there, five bikes there, five bikes back, paintings, artwork, signs engines front ends front ends yeah you know sore subject (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a sore subject. No, Kurt's bullied me into taking his. Uh, I wasn't going to go down to Birmingham. I was going to make him wait like a month, and then he like harassed me all morning. I said, "Fine, I'll take it down." I left him a nice little note on the Springer, though, so we're even. Good, love him. Good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and it wasn't. And it fucking. I was reluctant, but then I get there. I'm like, fuck. Now I don't want to leave. <laughs> I think that's why I didn't want to go to, down to Birmingham because I felt like I wasn't going to be able to leave. But I caught Warren before he moved to Virginia, so that was cool. He's moving to Virginia? The boy's going to college. He's finishing up his, like, master's, I think. Wow. In, like, literature or something. I don't know. He wants to be Hemingway, so who knows. Did Hemingway go to school? Hemingway did a lot of things. I don't, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> I don't either. I don't even know if college was, like, a thing, really. You know, like, that was pretty, like, only accessible to the elites, I know that he... Hemingway's uh, probably one of those guys. Yeah, he, but he was one of like the first people who... He like first one of the first people to traverse uh, Yellowstone in an automobile. Fucking well, Hemingway, wasn't he the guy who stayed down in Key West for a while? There's yeah, There's like a Hemingway so, house. So funny story. I, uh, I broke down in this town right after... So after you take Beartooth Pass, it spits you out into um, the Yellowstone high country, right? Um, West Yellowstone. Uh, it's called no, Cook it's County. It's called Cook County. So awesome. It's, it's awesome. So sick. It's awesome. Wait, don't tell anybody. Don't. Dude, there's fucking off-road trails over there galore. Dude. Right. I did but, the Pan America but up there? So, so I pull sick. into Cook County, right? And this is like the entrance <coughs> to Yellowstone. Literally, you go five miles down the road. That is the gate to And there's nobody at that entrance. No. And there's no one ever there. Um, and... It's uh, or it's like the nicest woman in the world. Like your grandma is manning the gate at Yellowstone. Dude, no, there was like, like a fucking twenty-two-year-old hot chick at the gate. I we was had like, far different experiences. I fucking <laughs> sat there and talked to her for like fifteen minutes, <laughs> trying to get her on the bike. She's like, hot. <laughs> I fucking uh, well, so I pull into town just to get some gas, and one of my uh, spokes goes through my tube, and just fucking pop. Uh, I didn't. I was naive and I didn't have a spare tube with me there because I thought I'd be in generally like not remote areas. But this is 2020 at the height of COVID. There was no, like I went to this gas station, right? There's two gas stations in the town and this one gas station I go into. Did they even know about COVID in Cook County? I guess the lack of travel. So in the winter, 52 people live there. And in the summer, 135 people live there. Something like that. It's like something around that area. Like, and, and it's insane. There's okay, like, so you went to the gas station. I went to the gas station and fuck that. that there's one gas station there, and you'll know when you walk in, fuck those guys. So really? I go in there. They have a tire machine in there. I'm like, yo, if we can get some, like, can you call your manager in, like, uh, or the guy who owns it, like, I just need to get some duct tape on this or something just to, like, patch it to get to me the next spot. So like, they didn't have any and the dude, No, the guy's like, I'm not calling him. I go, what? Like, dude, I'm broke down. I'm 3,000 miles from home, like. I just need help. He wouldn't let you use a tire machine? Dude, he would dude, he told me to get the fuck out of the store. He like would not help me, and then everyone else I asked in the town about it was like, oh yeah, they suck. That family sucks. So um but so I was like I bet they're nice. You know people. um my girl had like uh, she, fa- I was like stressed out. I was like trying to figure it out, and she was like, "Okay, well, you're trying to figure out like what you're doing. I'm gonna like," she's like, "I'll look around for like which hotels in the area have availability. That way, you don't have to walk into every single one." I was like, "All right, cool, thank you." She calls me back. She's like, "This is the one you're going to is right across the street." But I'd gone to other hotels and was like, "Do you know anybody who like 
has these parts or like goes into town because the next closest town is Cody, Wyoming, which is two hours away and you have to take Chief Joseph Pass to get there. And and everyone's like, no, we don't have room or no, I don't know anyone headed that way. And then I finally get a room, right? I settle down. And this dude comes out of nowhere and I have my bike. I'm pushing it like down this main drag, flat tire like with a, a hill. full load. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, I'm going downhill at this time, I think, which is nice at least. Yeah. I was going downhill. But, I was thoughtful um, of your girlfriend. What? I was thoughtful of your it girlfriend. very thoughtful. She could have picked the one at the top of the hill. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, is fucking, I don't think she would have known either. I know. Way. But I fucking... So I'm like, okay, I'm pushing my bike, and this guy comes out of nowhere and goes, hey, man, are you the one with the guy, the guy who needs going to town? And I'm just staring at him with my bike with a flat tire with all my shit, and I was like, yeah, I'm him. Like, what's up? He's like, oh, I don't have to go into town, but I will if you need to. I was like, dude, you, you take me into town, I'll buy you lunch and I'll pay for your gas and whatever the fight. If you want some more money on top of that, I will. He's like, no, that sounds good to me. That's fine. Dude drove a Civic. It cost me 25 bucks in gas for him to drive me each way. So you went to Cody? We went to Cody, went to a dirt bike shop. It was done in 45 minutes. And then I went shopping with this dude at Walmart and they ate at a Chinese buffet during COVID. <laughs> that sounds like, it was, uh, it was sounds an experience. Like Wyoming. But while I, well, I was waiting. So after he asked me, I was like, okay, cool. Like I have a game plan now. I know that I have to wake up early. We're going into town. I'm good. So I can like relax. Right. I took a shower. It probably oh, so you a, didn't do it that day. It was no, no, no. Day. We did it the next morning. Um, and so I like, so I, I like relaxed. I took a shower and then I went over to the bar across the street and there's this book called uh, Hemingway in the high country sitting on there. I'm like, this is like the only book in this whole fucking bar. What is that? He's like, oh, that dude, guy's hammered at the end of the bar. He's like, that guy wrote the book. So Hemingway spent three summers in this town. And there was a bar there that he, it's since closed now, but that's where he used to, he used to drink Floriditas there. And he used to go into, he killed his first black bear in Yellowstone. And he used to rent these cabins right down the road. And that's where he wrote a lot of like some of his more prominent work. Right a lot of his more prominent bar. essays. Did he you wrote channel some of that? I definitely channeled some of that for that trip because, like, I just got out of the military like a few months before. I got out March 2020, like March 29, 2020, literally the day after everything shut down. I got out of the military. I'd called my boss. I'm like, "What do I do now?" He's like, "I don't know. You're not my problem anymore. I don't know what to do for you." There's no ceremony. Usually, there's like a ceremony and all this stuff, and you get an award. They're like, "Yeah, just come to the building and pick up your award." Okay, just picked it up and threw it in my bag. Anticlimactic. It's very. It was after eight years. You think it would have been a little bit more like, "Thank yeah. you for all your service." Eight and all this years. Sh- eight years. That's like, I went into the Navy three weeks after high school, and then a few months after that, I was living in Japan. <laughs> yeah. What was, year is that? Eight years ago. So twenty twelve, June of twenty twelve, I went into the service, um, and I was mass communication specialist. So. You basically do like. Uh, was this a plan you had? Well, prior to this, no, like- not really. I wanted to go to college. Uh, I, w- I went to my mom at one point. I was like, I want to go to college, and she laughed at me. She's like, "Too late for that. You should have applied like six months ago for that shit." She's like, "I don't know what you're gonna do. You got to wait till next year." It's like, all right, well, and I didn't really do good on my SATs, so I, I was like good at school. I just didn't give a shit about school, oh, yeah. so I didn't apply myself at all. All I cared about was skateboarding, and like, where'd you go to school video. at? Uh, in Indiana. Indiana. Yeah. In Lafayette, Indiana. And then, um, so, I I was, like, doing some, just, just being a 
dickhead kid, you know? You? Never. Out of high school? Never. No, I was still in high school. I was like, because I was like a little bit older. I had my driver's license. I had a car. So I just like sneak out of my house at like two o'clock in the morning and just like drive around town and do whatever hood rat shit I could do. And uh, my parents caught on to it eventually. And they were like, well, okay, you are either going to get kicked out of the fucking house or you're going to join the military. Go try to join the Marines. Made my mom cry. My dad was in the Navy and he was drinking buddies with the recruiter. So he's like, you're going in the Navy. <laughs> so, 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 I, I mean, that was like a win-win for your parents. They're like, yeah. he's leaving no matter what. Either yeah. we're kicking him out or he's going to the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't fucking, whatever, goodbye. Uh, but it was good. Like, I got to, you know, they thought it straightened me out. But it was more like. Okay, I got to collect a paycheck and like go on all these crazy adventures. And then I also had to like toe that line of like being in the military, but still being able to like be myself. Yeah, you had to learn how to you learn how to survive in that environment. And it was good. It was like I I didn't really do photography before the military. The military taught me how to make photos. Really? Mm -hmm. I was. My joke is like I was propaganda. You didn't for the like military. take fucking I photos. I took one photo- skateboarding. I I was a filmer. I, I was a skateboard filmer. So I had a VX and everything. Oh, it was and a did all that. And I wanted to do film, but the navies the navies come around since then. But when I was when we first started out, it was so cut and dry. It was like the most dry news segment. That's how you had to do everything. It was like the most dry news segment ever. And I was like, this doesn't like it's like scratch my itch. So then uh, we do – so the first three months of the school is like photography and writing. You have to learn how to write in AP style and all this crazy shit, right? AP style. What's so it's, it's very – it's uh, journalism writing. Associated press yeah. style. Which is insane. So think about this, right? You go to boot camp for three months. You're getting called the worst names of getting fucking treated like human scum. And you're getting treated like you literally know nothing, right? And you're supposed to go into the school and like go to like take college courses all of a sudden. And you're treated with a little bit more structure. You're like, this is weird. The whole experience is very strange because then you don't really – you're supposed to tell this line now too. They have to teach you how to be like in the military but be an artist but be a writer but be pragmatic. But like also if your boss tells you to just fucking write it, you fucking write it. Yeah. So it's very weird. And then you and then you also have to prove to other people in the military why you're in the military. <laughs> but that's, that's fun shit though. Like when we're on deployment, got to uh, – I would always find the dudes who are like the dirtiest on the boat or who had some like gnarly jobs. And they, they like, like, oh, fuck you guys. You're just media, whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, what time do you go to work? Like 2 a.m. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to be there at 1.45 in the morning. Like, what? No, you're fucking not. I'm like, no, I'll be there. Just make sure it's like some good fucking dirty work we can photograph. And the guys are like, okay. Show up at this catapult water break, which you have to crawl into a small-ass fucking hole, wear a poop suit, and I put my camera in a trash bag and everything. It's literally so, like, what the thing of this, what this does is, like, when they launch FA-18s off the deck, right, the break for it, this room fills up with water, and these two spears go into these gigantic fucking holes, right? Gigantic cylinders, and that's how they stop the thing. It's fucking nuts. There's no springs? No. It's, like, hydraulic? It's hydraulic. It's a hydraulic break. And, um, I guess that makes more sense. Yeah. And uh, they have to go in there, like, every few hours and tighten the fucking bolts. And it is like grease. The dude like got knocked out while we were in there because of the torque wrench he was using slipped on some grease and it's a heavy ass torque wrench that hit him in the fucking forehead. It's gnarly. But that's probably one of my favorite photos I've ever I've ever made. Because then after that, like 
was like royalty to those dudes because they're like, oh, he'll come and hang out with us, but everyone else like just talk shit about us. Like he's actually willing to go in there and get. Well, those guys doing that job, they probably are. You know, their boss is like, they probably get some extra leeway, right? Right. In the rest of their existence, because they're like. Well, they're willing to go do that job. Yeah, like, exactly. You guys can do whatever the fuck and you want like, after that. And they're dudes who just get shit on all the time. They've got the one of the worst jobs on the boat, aviation boatswains. Boatswains. Aviation boatswains get, like, the worst rap on the boat, but they are them and the boatswains and some other people are, like, the hardest fucking working people on the boat. So, so what was your job to, like... The, the whole thing is, like, telling the Navy's story was our whole fucking to slogan. To the public. Because okay. to taxpayers. So essentially, our deal was, okay, we are documenting everyday life at sea, but the taxpayers want to know what their money is going towards. So they, we photograph everything from cake cuttings to getting up in helicopters and flying uh, and doing flyovers. Now, where were your place. stories being published? Where were they uh, I've had my stories published on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, every major media outlet has run my images. Uh, I've had from my, when you were in the service? From when I was in the service, because... Um, I was at a unit called Combat Camera, and while I did not see combat, because the unit was in its last days of shutting down, we did a lot of humanitarian. So I was in Puerto Rico. I was one of the first photographers on the ground in Puerto Rico after the hurricanes. I was in the Virgin Islands after those hurricanes, and I was in the Philippines in 2013. Show us the pretty stuff. Show show us progress. But I went there, and my goal was to show the gnarly stuff, because I I showed the good stuff, like us giving water and supplies and everything. But also I wanted people to really, like, if my images were going to be seen, I wanted people to see things that they would be willing to donate their money to help these people. Yeah, exactly. Like, we want to see the pretty things, and we want to see how difficult it is to create those pretty things. Mm-hmm. And, just the, and just the humanity involved in it, man. Like, you know, there's something about people when they go through something really bad that makes them really stoic, and that makes them, like, Think about, you know, keeping that positive attitude during some of the worst fucking times. Well, they don't even life. think it's... A, they they're don't just, think about it. But they're it. just thankful to be alive. Yeah, they don't think about that. No, it's just well, like an appreciation that you gain well, obviously by going through something right. traumatic. Well, you think about it, and it's an afterthought, but while you're going through it, you're just going through the motions. You're like, okay, well, what do I have to do now? I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have to make sure my family's all right. I need to make sure I have food. I have water. I have clothing. I have a roof to sleep under. And if I, you know, or I figure it out or, but the thing about it, like when I was in Puerto Rico, after actually all these places had the same common theme is that it was very neighborly. You know, they made, it was not very rarely. Did you ever hear about stories of like everyone for themselves? There's a lot of people like really doing their best to make sure they could take care of their neighbor, which I thought was just amazing. You yeah. know, people just trying to find a good in a really like awful situation. I mean, I think it should almost be mandatory. I mean, I don't know about mandatory, but I, I, I gained a lot by going to Mexico and Guatemala back when I was like early teen, mm-hmm. you know, 13, 14 years old, and seeing how they live and how appreciative they are to have mm-hmm. the very few things that they have, right. you know, and like, you know, I was down there on like a church mission, right? Yeah. And it was like they were happy to act like they cared what we were talking about just because they saw, you know, us get happy that we were helping them. You know, right. like, as soon as we leave, they're like, fucking. Thriving on that good attitude. Yeah, yeah you know? like, they, 
Uh, it was just a fucking crazy experience. Uh, it really is. And, like, dude, I've been all around. I've been to 23 countries. I've been to 49 states. I've fucking been all over the fucking world. Six continents. I'm just missing the last one because it's too fucking cold. Uh, but, like, I, and it's just, like, travel really does get rid of, like, prejudice. It gets rid of you know, um, ideas you might have had about a place. When you go there and experience it, it's completely different than anything you could have read about in a book. Mm-hmm. Or anything you might have seen. Anything you might have ever any imagined. Any picture you've seen that Liam took. Yeah. If you seeing were, it firsthand is it's totally insane. different. Insane. Because when you have that context of, like, where you are, who you're dealing with, the situation at hand, it, like, you know, I have some really fond memories of being in some of the shittiest, like, situations in my life. Absolutely. Very well, fond memories. I always talk about on the show... It's two kinds of fun. It's the kind of fun you like have mm-hmm. in the moment where you're like, oh, you're like acknowledging yeah. that this is fun. Right. And then there's a the kind of fun. It's only fun to think about. Yep. The triumphant victory <laughs> yeah. afterwards. It's, it's only fun to think about after you made it through. You well, know? well, I've been listening to this other podcast um, a lot called Against All Odds. And it's basically about like they tell John McCain's story of how he survived Hanoi Hilton. They tell... The, about the rugby players who survived uh, crashing in the Andes Mountains. Um, and then a, about, like, uh, the USS Indianapolis. You know, like, those are some brave fucking people who went through some, like, pretty terrible shit. But the attitude that they have all through it is they're, like, they just come up. It comes to a point where, like, you know, they say, okay, well, I can't let anyone else know that I'm, I'm scared, but I'm not going to show yeah, it. That doesn't because help. Because it doesn't help anybody, uh, which is stoicism. But then there's, like... Knowing that you can try it, they just go, well, I'm not leaving here dead. I'm going to make it out alive. And they do whatever they can. And I just, I don't know. Uh, I think, like, I'm pretty young. I'm 28. And, you know, I didn't really grow up with an attitude like that. So I think learning how to develop something like that later on in life, like, at some point in your life is pretty important. So back then when you were taking photos, you know, you're like on a, you know, it's a job. You're mm-hmm. trying to portray, you know, the experiences, the good, mm-hmm. and the fucking, the uh, the stuff it takes to get there, the dirty stuff. You know, right. you got like a, a narrative, if you will, that you're trying to uh, showcase. Yes. Um, and you got like an editor. But now, now you're taking photos, mm-hmm. you know, essentially for fun from what I can see, you know, trying to figure out how to... Oh. Well, it goes like, to make money, too. But. Obviously, but, like... <laughs> but it is. It's something I love. It's yeah. something... There's something, uh, you know... Um, I love photography. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think it's kind of been watered down a little bit, thanks to... I, I mean, just like everything else, like iPhones and whatnot. But with the resurgence of film, I think people are getting a greater appreciation of it as an art again. But the thing is, like, I... These photos aren't just... For me, like, I want to be able to look back on these and be like, oh, I was there. Show my kids someday. But, like, I want other people to look at these and be like, oh, I could have those experiences too. Like, that's not far out of reach. Yeah. Like, I've been working on a book, and there's a reason I put an index in the back. Because a lot of these photos were taken in people's backyards. You know? It's a compilation of images from 2018 to 2021. So half of the images are when I was still in the military. You know, it's all like I made the decision to go out and do- I document. I like photographing things I don't understand. So 
I was not raised around motorcycles. motorcycles. I was not raised 100%. <laughs> I'm still trying to understand that, dude. It says it takes 10 years to get good at anything, and I'm like at 10,000 10, 10, hours. 10,000 hours, yeah. and man, I'm just good at riding at this point, I yeah. guess. Um, but I didn't grow up around, I didn't hold a wrench in my hands until I was 22 years old. Never even touched one. Surely you were tightening your trucks and changing your bearings out. Yeah, there's that, but that didn't... That was just a skate tool. That was just a skate tool. Like, that was... I mean, I grew up skateboarding and, like, yeah, we would bondo spots and shit, but it wasn't, like, you know, I I just wasn't exposed to any of it. Mm -hmm. I came from a pretty white-collar family. And I decided, like, well, this I'm tired of feeling helpless, you know, and motorcycles made me feel not helpless. But it was also an experience to get to that point because I was still pretty helpless all the way up until about, like, still sometimes today. <laughs> phone call I got. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the king of phone calls. Oh, man. So when did you get your first bike? 2015. I bought a 72 Ironhead from my buddy in Indiana. And, boy, that was an experience. <laughs> right side shift Ironhead. And so, I 2015, had, but, so you've been in the military, you've been in the Navy for a couple of yep, years. I was, uh, I'd just come back from Japan. Um, I was living in San Diego, and I was on deployment on the USS Essex, and I'd met this guy, I, I met this one dude while I was on deployment, and we hit it off and became friends, because we were both like into punk music and skateboarding and all this other stuff, and he was like, what about motorcycles? I'm like, oh, I've thought about it. And he really started showing me chopper stuff. He was, he was showing me chopper. He, show, he was the first person to show me chop cult. I subscribed while I was on deployment. He was, I, that really like popped my cherry for it. And like, I really started becoming, it became this obsession because I couldn't touch it yet. I was out at sea. You know, yeah. I still had another four months left in my deployment. But I bought and brokered a bike deal while I was on deployment through email. And mo- so... Fun fact about military uh, ship computers, they can only do mobile Facebook. So I'd use Facebook mobile on a desktop computer when we had internet. So um, so I had to do it through Facebook Sweet. mobile when it wanted to fucking work. And I was able to like get a shipper and everything. And um, I got there and, you know, a dude down the street took care of it for us. He was pissed because as soon as he started it, it spit fucking shit out of the pipes all over his clean bike in his garage. <laughs> but it was crazy, dude. It had, like, the six-over girder on it. It was, like, <coughs> it was, like, had a 35-degree rake. Like, it was weird. It had a disc brake on the front for some reason, on the girder, too. And, like, I cracked the frame in half three times on that bike. Um, and, actually, one of the first people I met because I was living in San Diego was Cliff Cavins. He was one of the first people I met in 2015 and doing that shit. And he had like this crazy fucking, I think it was like a Yamaha or something like that. Yeah. A Yamaha Bond or something like that. No, it was a uh, fucking SR500. Yeah. And is that bike's brother. That's an XT500. Yep. And the first time we went out riding together, you know, like those fucking in San Diego, you'll be driving down the road. They have like those embankments, like those dirt banks and stuff. He's just like cruising up them and doing wheelies and jumping streets. I'm like, who the fuck is He's this like, why guy? Why can't you do that on your iron head? I, he wheelied my iron head one night while we were out at a bar. So he broke he your ba- frame once? 
he had to stand on the seat to wheelie it, and he only still got it. It was so it was just a shitty ass bike, dude. Yeah, this is not good. Is it an Ironhead? It was, yeah. <laughs> but Tetro was working on it out in San Diego. Do you know Tetro? Tetro Machines? Yeah. The, the guy, guy who does all the videos? Yeah, the guy who will hold, hand you a video camera and be like, if you want a deal on this, you're going to have to hold this. And he proceeds to curse so at you So you've met three this hours. guy? He I want to do podcasts with this guy so he's, bad. Oh, dude, he's the first dude who worked on uh, He's the first mechanic I ever went to for a motorcycle. Was well, he's Tetro. Like, his videos are some of the, I mean. The, Most the, helpful the, shit ever, but it's the, chaotic. Yeah, the videos are not great. No. But what comes out of his mouth and the way he explains what he does and why he does it is great. Makes sense. But he's just like, there's no editing. If he has to get something on the other side of a shop, yep. you just wait for him to walk yep. over to the other side of I've a also, shop. He just uploads it straight from camera to fucking YouTube. And he is the cra- he's like probably the craziest guy I've ever met. Like I've never seen him so eat. So it's Tatro. Tatro. I've only ever seen him eat like those Chex Mix bags like where it has like eight different kinds of chips in it. That's the only thing I've ever seen. Munchies? Yeah, that's the only thing I've ever seen him eat. Man, that's cool. Yeah. I forgot about him. He'll also just like, if he pulls a bearing out of a bag and it says like made in China or doesn't say it, he'll just chuck it behind him and just, with no care with anything that's behind there and just land speeds, bikes just sitting there and shit like that. Like, he doesn't give a fuck. I gotta go meet this guy. Come with me to San Diego, but he is. So Tatro worked on your iron head. Yeah, he talked. Did you hold the camera for him? Did you tell him? I I held the camera for him. Yeah, he cursed at me a lot. Yeah, he had some choice words for me a lot of the time, but I still call him every now and then and talk to him. He's he's a good he's a good dude. Any question you ever fucking had, he'll talk. We with need him. to feature feature Tatro for MC Shop TV. Dude, man, you really should. Yeah, that dude is. You know he holds like land speed records and shit, right? Dude, he's a wizard. Dude, I was talking about his. Racing's like, yeah, I've laid it down a couple times at Bonneville. I was like, okay, well, what's laying it down? Like, how fast are you going? It's 184 miles an hour. It's like, how'd that feel? He goes, my shoulder didn't like it too much. And then he just hobbled away from me. It's like, okay. All right. But. Tatro. One man. of the most knowledgeable people you could ever have to work on him. one of your bikes. No, he really is. And his shop looks worse than mine. And he does fucking, he does it all. One of my buddies had to help him move shops. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Walker had a good time doing that. I, yeah, I heard I heard he had an amazing time. He'd come back in and find just more shit. There's shit just stacked in fucking corners. Fucking. Oh, my gosh. Tater's the kind of guy who fucking probably has everything you needed if you wanted it. But the only person who knows how to find it is Tatro. Yeah. And if he doesn't like it, he's not going to. Go find it for you. Tell you to go to V Twin or some shit. Uh-huh. Fucking yeah, yeah, and don't don't get him started on Makuni carburetors. On Makuni? Fucking, I watched him throw a perfectly brand new Super E in the trash. A Super E? <laughs> he threw a Super E out. Trash. Just put a fucking. I had a Bendix on my fucking Ironhead or something. I had this stock carburetor on my Ironhead. He just took it off and he goes, "No, you do with this. Go what?" And he just throws it in the trash. I'm like, "Yo, man, what the fuck?" And he goes, <laughs> he goes. You're going to buy this. And he just puts a Makuni down in front of me. I go, oh, so he likes Makuni. Loves them. Okay. The only thing he runs on his bike. Put like a round slide on my iron head. That thing was, that iron head was still fucking mean. I love iron heads, but I won't own one. I'm an Evo guy now. I've seen the light. Yes, you have. Yes, I have. So what did you do with the iron head? Uh, I sold it to a dude. So I bought it from a town, a town in Indiana called Fort Wayne, right? Fort Wayne, Indiana, yep. where you so, go on vacation and leave on probation. 
or you come on probation, you just never get off probation. Like, like there's motorcycles and DUI scooters in the town, and that's it. Like, if you get your license revoked, and you don't need like a license to drive like a certain CC a moped there. So all the factory workers who have DUI just ride like mopeds to work. They don't have to get their license back, and they don't take public transportation. So you see a dude in the winter just like hunkered down and fucking looking like looking like that kid from a Christmas story, just like driving a fucking like fifty cc moped to work. He's a drinker. Oh yeah, so I got it from that town, Fort Wayne. So when I left San Diego, I went to Syracuse, New York. The Navy has like a, a college program for photography and journalism. So I got to take. I got to take 10 months off of service. I didn't have to wear a uniform at all. Went to Syracuse. I was like, all right, well, I don't have a garage here. It's gonna, It snowed 107 inches the year I lived there. It's a snowy city in the United States. I'm like, this bike is going to rot. It's already, like, fucking up. Like, I don't know how to fix it. I can't fix it right now. I don't have the capital. So I was like, I posted up for sale, and I was like, I want something different anyway. So the guy who's pretty much touched all my bikes is Rick Swadener out in, Rick Swadener and Ben Jeff out in Fort Wayne. And so I sell it to this one dude who drove from Ohio. Years later, that guy moved to Fort Wayne and brought the bike to Rick. <clears throat> it was like very full circle experience. Wow. Yeah. And the dude still lives down the road and still has that bike. Rebuilt it and made it fucking beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. So the Ironhead did go to somebody who actually like didn't just put it in his shed. Like and they actually did something with it. You know? It's a rare story with an Ironhead. Very rare. It's a weird story too. Like it actually came back to the same shop it originated it from. But... And then Rick, I found this Evo in a craft tech frame. It was like basically a full bike. Like you could have just wired it and fired it if you wanted. It was ugly, but you could have done it. I got it for three grand, which is I think what an Evo engine's going for these days now. And fifteen hundred bucks? No, depends. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's what you're willing to pay for it. But I've seen them go for more. But. Shit, SNS sells an Evo for ten grand if you want it bad I enough. I fucking sold the last one I had. I sold for six hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, what? I mean, you missed out on a good market. Then. They're they're climbing in price. Maybe I'm just doing that thing like corporate raiders do, where they go in and they just inflate the stock price of something. They sell it for a super high. Nobody's believing out. you right now. Everybody's no. just like all your credibility just fucking left. That's fine. They don't have to. Three thousand dollars for a motor. It's only worth. It's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. That's true. So. You know, yeah. I mean, you can inflation's buy real, dude. Three, you know, <laughs> it's that's a whole other story. Yeah, right it is. There. We don't need to go into that. But uh, so I got the whole bike stripped it down. Rick made me very much. So worse. you you got rid of your bike in Syracuse because it was going to snow, and got another bike. Essentially, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. And I just wanted something that was more that I wanted. I really wanted like I feel like Ironheads. They either seal the deal with you. You're either into vintage bikes after you have an iron head, or you're like, no, well, I'm still I would into never, well, never. The thing is, I just wanted, I just realized about myself is I like riding them more than I liked working on them. Yeah. So I asked Rick and a few other people, well, what should I, what would I, what would you get if that's what you wanted? And they're all like, Evo. Get an Evo. Yeah. Okay, cool. So Done. let's build something cool. The best version I, of the knucklehead there is. Oh. And it goes, uh, talking about me or the bike, who's to say? Can't call it. Uh, so it's gone through like four transformations now to get to where it is, but I mean, it was not pretty at first. So Rick that's the one you've got now? Yeah. Yeah. 
It used to have like a dual disc front end on it, 35 millimeter dual disc, rabbit ears, king and queen seat. Then I put this ridiculous long king and queen seat on it. Like it was hanging off at a 45 degree angle from the bike. One dude I know, one one of my buddies, Steven, was the only person I know to this date to lean all the way back <laughs> in that thing. And it was trusting. It was only held in with one bolt. Oh, man. And because uh, it was attached to the sissy bar. So the whole fucking thing could have just at any time. That bolt snapped. He would have been fucking gone. So, and now it's the blue bike. Now it's that fucking blue bike that everyone's seen me on with that. It's, it's gone through a couple transformations. Though. It's a... Uh, it's definitely like peaking right now, you know, like in high school, like, you it's know, peaking. the ugly duckling has peaked at this point. Like it's, you know, it's grown up. It's gone through some uh, identity You're changes. Like, that motor's definitely worth three grand. Now it is. <laughs> Proven. I did. What, oh, dude, I finished that 2020. And so in two years, I've done probably close to 40,000 miles on that thing. Give or take. Done on that motor. I mean, I've had the motor, uh, I've had the top end done once before. Um, so before that, I rode from Virginia Beach to Mexico for El Diablo run in 2019. And then I had the top end redone when I redid my whole bike. And then I did two cross countries since then. Yeah. Love it. Evo and a Baker six-speed. You can't fucking beat it, I mean, dude. that's the combo, that's dude. That's the combo, dude. That is the combo. Fucking 95 miles an hour all fucking Kick day. only, right? You don't have a Kick starter only, on yep. there? 10 to 1 compression. Kick only. EV27, just good combination. Super E. Dyna S. Fucking, I'll walk out in the morning, turn have it you on. Taken it? Have you shown Tatro? Oh, uh, I pulled up to Tatro one time on it, and he said, get that late model piece of shit out of my driveway. <laughs> That's why we're featuring him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen the light, though. I'm coming. I got a... One of my buddies won a bike from Ryan Grossman, and then he sold it to me. It's a 66 shovel head. And so Ben, Jeff, Rick, and myself are all making, like, a tough guy swing arm shovel. Like, single down tube with polished castings. 93-inch stroker shovel. Fucking, Yeah. It's got compression releases, so don't worry. I'm not going to fly that far off the bike. 93-inch shovel head that you're yep. going to kick over. Yep. I got a strong leg, dude. Yeah, with that hip surgery, it's better than ever, huh? Just, you know, I'm trying to, like a doctor. I asked a doctor one time, I was like, so should I, like, stop doing this stuff? Or, like, what should I do? Like, you're the doctor. He's like, well, the way I see it is in 10 years, you can... Need a hip replacement and be regretful about everything that you didn't get to do, or you can only speed it up by that one or two years, maybe tops, and do everything you want to do and get the hip surgery. So it's your call. Um, okay, well I'll deal with the pain and I'll just fucking do everything I want to do. Yeah, it's fine. Like uh, I have no qualms about that. Like I have no shame and fucking like. Just destroying my body. So that's what this point. trip is about. You're saving up money for that hip. Oh no, the, v, the, v, the that's the VA's problem, not <laughs> okay. mine. That's right. But you know, the VA's problem is also my problem because my problem is the VA. <laughs> Man, I thought the horror stories were just people who were just disgruntled. Man, that fucking VA sucks. Is it really that bad? <laughs> fucking, 
I mean, I guess I have no like context to what it's like to have actual health care. Just while well, I was in the military, my health care was great. I could get a doctor's appointment same day if I wanted to. So when you're in, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. When you get out, it's a fucking problem. Yeah. Because I was trying to get like, I got arthritis in that same hip that I got surgery on because I don't have any cartilage in there, right? I went to the doctor six months ago and I go, I need like some arthritis medication or something like anti-inflammatory just to try to see what's up. Like, you know, I'm going to take some supplements with it and do like what I can, but I need, I would like to try something else. And she goes, okay, well, we have to apply to get that. What? It's arthritis medication. Like, how fucking hard can that be? They denied me for it. Even though there's x-rays. I have a photo of the arthritis. And I show it to them. like, nah, not good enough for us. And I go back six months later, and I was, like, yelling at her. She's like, why are you yelling at me? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, we also have this photo of you kickstarting a motorcycle. That's not their problem. That's fucking, they don't give a shit about that. Unless you're 100% non-working, then they don't give a shit what you do afterwards. The whole point of getting that paycheck is like the military fucking destroyed you for eight years. And yeah, some people get it worse than others. I get it. It's just like anything else, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, I've spent, collect. I've, compared to other people, again, it's not that long. But I spent collectively a year of my life, 13 months of my life on the water. On the sea. Being on a steel ship in an industrial environment is still not conducive to having a healthy lifestyle. The food that you're fed. There was one night, dude, we got a cup of water and a burger patty for dinner. Shit, there's some nights that fucking, like, we, you were lucky if you got an MRE. You know, if you had to go out, like, Puerto Rico. You know, you're on, you're on an island just got destroyed. Like, go... You know, you have to be thankful for the times that you get to eat, you know? So I'm not bitching. I'm just saying that sometimes it's like, you know, it's not good for your body to be in the military. The chemicals you're exposed to, the lack of sleep, the lack of people giving a shit about, how, like, if you're hurt or not. I had to do an entire deployment with a torn ACL. Like, that's not fun when you have to run up. When you There's this thing called Snoopy Team where you go and photograph, like, Objects in the water that might be there that might appear, right? And hold on, objects that might appear. Anyway, um, so like UFOs or no, not fucking UFOs. But anyway, so it's like so our our shop was below the main deck, and then if you had to go all the way to the top of the tower on an aircraft carrier, that's like fourteen flights of stairs, and you're pushing people out of the way with a big at with a fucking camera in your hand. And if you go get a fucking 600-millimeter lens that's fucking as big as your body and put that on the camera and go and photograph, like, that shit ain't fun to run up all those stairs. And you're doing that every week, once a week, because it's like a duty, right? So one that's one of the many things. So it's just like all these little things add up over time. That's why they give you disability when you get out, because, like, you've earned that shit, you know? What And I don't know. I get... Fucking, because you make jokes about it, but people do talk shit. <laughs> I make jokes about what? About like you're like, but you're kickstarting a motorcycle, got disability. But like, man, some people are serious. Some people are on that crusade. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah some people are, are fucking on that crusade, but it's whatever. I still got it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all that matters. You still got yeah. it. Yeah. It's fun, dude. I miss it sometimes. I mean. Dude, that's an adventure out there. Yeah. I got to see shit that I would never see in my life. Yeah. You ever, 
You ever step into a fucking taxi cab and they hand you a menu for guns that you can go and rent and shoot at like cows at and shit? Thailand, baby. Yeah. I know some dudes that got to shoot a cow with a rocket launcher. You didn't go do this? Man, the I menu was a, is in your hands. I was I was at a different place. And you're in my like, life. now I'm after the midgets. I mean, what? And those fucking those fucking shows, man. Well, that's for a normal oh, sized person dude. like me. No fucking those fucking. Oh my god, the pussy shows. Holy shit! What about my buddy was telling me about? He was over there. There was a bar where they like had the midgets covered in Velcro. The big Velcro wall, yeah. and you see how fucking adult far Disneyland, you can dude. Throw it's, it's adult. It's adult Disneyland. Like everything wrong that you could ever imagine. Like it's there. Like it's an adult playground. It's uh, it's fucking. It's a fun town. I want to go back, dude. Dude, I mean, we were not in like the most fun part of Thailand. We were in this place called uh, Pattaya. I said, hear me, I said I want to go back. Like I've been there before. Yeah, I know, right? I do. Fucking yeah. I want to go back and ride motorcycles. To Thailand? I yeah, know some people have bikes. done it. I know, me too. It sounds fucking, amazing. Uh, Jonathan Maring, really good skateboard photographer, did a whole fucking trip where they rode motorcycles through it. Like, I think it was Thailand, or don't quote me on that, but he did a whole book, basically, of them riding motorcycles that they rented through Thailand and doing a skateboard trip. So sick. So sick. And, like, he's a really, fu- he's a really fucking good photographer. So they were, like, fucking... It, it's, like... That was another thing, too, is, like, meshing those things, like skateboarding and motorcycles. So is it all, did you do any video for the military? Yeah. I did video for the military. I did a lot of B-roll and stuff like that. I did, do, I did like, a mini-documentary for them, 10-minute mini-doc about reservists that get activated and deployed. Because they didn't, so they came to us with a problem, and the problem was reservists were, like, they had one video, and it made it seem like they were going to go into, like, Jarhead or something like that. They made it seem like that's what they were going into. But like these reservists were going to do like posts that they needed, right? But it was, they had no like context of the training that they were going to do. It's like, go and serve your country. Like the most, it's the worst video I've ever seen that they had. And like we need something different that's actually going to tell them, put them at ease, put their families at ease, and like they'll be able to like digest what this what they're going to do. What we're asking of them. Yeah, we're not going to go and send them to be cannon fodder. Like, we're going, to, we're going to send them to fucking, like, do a job that needs to get filled, right? Yeah. And, uh, I'm good. And, uh, so we, I may, I, I enjoyed it. It was, a, I felt like I did a good job on that production because I really, like, made friends with some of those people. I had empathy for them and I actually, like, tried to stick true to that whole thing where, okay, yeah, let's, let's make, Something that will actually put families at ease. Nothing's worse than going into something and just being like, man, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. I, I, that's one of my favorite places to be. It is, but not when you, the possibility is like death and destruction. You know, when, it, when it's you, when it's you doing it on your own accord is one thing. When it's yeah. somebody else telling you you're going to go do this is a whole nother thing. Yeah, that's true. Like government property, dude. You know, there's a reason they put U.S. Navy over your heart. So you got out 2018, March. I got out 2020. March 29th, 2020. What'd you do? Got in my truck. I was supposed to move to Seattle. What? But then the whole shit was going down, so obviously that didn't happen. But I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like the fucking worst place you could have gone. And, like, some people... Uh, had like 
my buddy Christian convinced me to stay in Nashville. And uh, I'm glad that I did. I've been able to do a lot and experience a lot. And fucking, you know, it's weird, man, when you get out. And now all of a sudden you have to just be a civilian now. Yeah. It's fucking Nobody's totally. telling you when a, to sleep. It's totally to different eat. cultures, man. It's just different, like, customs and shit like that. Like, it literally is a different culture all of a sudden. Yeah. And I am not a well-adjusted person. And they don't, they don't train you for that. No. They, don't go, they hey, train you to go into corporate jobs. About it. They do this thing called TAPS class, and they're like, oh, well, you know, they just have people from corporations come and be like, oh, well, if you want to get a job at, like, a good corporation and work for 20 more years of your life, and you're like, fuck that, dude. I'm not going to let you tell me that I earned only, like, a week off every year. Like, Yeah, that's tough to, that's tough to stomach after serving. Yeah. You, shell, I got fucking, I got way better. I got way more amount of days off than that in the military. I saved up like a lot of my leave days. I had like 60 something leave days when I left. Fucking, I could take off as much time as I fucking wanted. But I couldn't do that for a corporation too. Because plus you're working for somebody else's fucking dream at that point. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to subscribe to that. But, so I'm glad that Christian made me stay and it's, been really good opportunity. Got to meet a lot of good people. It's like a good home base, middle of the country. Yeah, it's fucking right there in the middle. Yeah, good, pretty good riding weather all year round. Got um, reliable people down there. Like Jay Ryan, it's fucking awesome. Like whenever I need something, he's always there. He's just really good fabricator and really good at make. Like, and he's a friend of mine too, which is rare. Like you know, it's hard doing business with friends sometimes. But Jay Ryan's pretty good at separating that shit, and I like you know. Uh, I think he's he's awesome. Jay Ryan is Jay awesome. Jay Ryan's awesome. Bobby the Leg just moved down there too and love having him around. He's wealth of knowledge. Yeah. But and I've just got I've just developed like a good friendship. Good friendships, dude. Like I wouldn't be able to do this trip if it weren't for my friend Andrew that I met. One of the first people, one of my best friends. Just we're having dinner before I left. He's like, Why don't you just take my trailer? Okay. Thanks. Pay him what I'd pay you all. Like, appreciate that. It's just good, caring people. And that's what I needed after I got out. You know, that's really what I fucking needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when did you hit the road on the bike? I left 2020. I left in July. Was the blue bike done then? It was, I, it, was it? it was mostly done. I basically wire. I just finished wiring it in Asheville and some other little stuff. Basically test rode it. And then I... um. And then I, uh, so I went to Apocalypse Run, um, and then from there, I just, I was like riding cross country anyway, I was like, I don't know what my next move is, I was just like, oh, I'm going to go to Sturgis after this, I've never been to Sturgis. And from from Upper Peninsula, Michigan, I rode to Sturgis, and from Sturgis, I rode up to Seattle. That was your first time in Sturgis? Yeah. It's cool. I mean, it was weird because, like, uh, and it was a blur, but it was fun. It was a good time. Well, you stayed at the uh, the fucking the chip spot. I stayed at the Camp Zero Camp spot. Camp Zero, yeah. With the uh, dump truck had gotten me in, and then I did some work for dump truck out there, so I didn't have to pay for a camp spot, which was sick. You know, they charge you at Camp Zero. Yeah, they charge you at Camp Zero. <laughs> fucking dude, what uh, man? I, that was a short-lived experience for them, but I was. Were you so there fun. the night the fight broke out? I was right. It was at my tent. <laughs> 
Some dude, so, so if you imagine two tents butted up to each other and making a V, right? One dude literally got like Hadoukened right through my fucking, like right through that, like separations in the tent. Like I watched those two, one guy was like an ex cop, one guy was like ex military, like trying to flex their muscle on people. And like one dude grab, tried to grab a girl off a motorcycle and all these dudes from the East Coast, all these like rough and tumble dudes were like, you're not going to do that and proceeded to be a fucking brawl. It was awesome. Just watching this, too. like, I mean, I feel like it could have gone a little light. It didn't have to go as far as it did. But <laughs> no, it, went, it, it does went, have to go that far. I mean, yeah, but you know, not when you're sitting down with the owner of, uh, you know, sitting down with the owner of the chip, your first time at Sturgis, and having to explain to Mr. Woody why uh, you have to explain to him what happened because he's, you know, he's got to cover his ass, you know. Fucking, I don't know. When you pull a girl off a motorcycle, well, a moving yeah, motorcycle. Yeah, when you do that, yeah. But, I mean, dude, they got, I'm just, fuck, dude. They got fucked up. Like, both sent to the hospital. One guy got his jaw broke. Fucking, I'm like, damn, dude, those old guys, like, they're too old to be doing that shit, dude. Like, well, they should have just gone back in their I fucking mean, tent, dude. As far as I'm concerned, the they way got I, what they, they got what was coming to them, for the, sure. The way I understood it, these guys... You know, they shouldn't have been camped at Camp Zero. They didn't. They didn't get the uh, memo. They didn't see. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't get, the, get memo. the memo that said this is where the party is happening. Because yeah, because you're I mean, not going to come out and tell people to go to sleep and quit doing burnouts. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where it's like you're in Sturgis. What? Who the fuck is going to bed at ten o'clock at night? I mean, I do, but I, I have mean, a, yeah, I have but a place you're, also for not, you're also not waking up. You and know. fucking telling people, other, you're not ruining yeah. anybody else's fun, you no, know? No, no, no. It's like these guys are like, you motherfucker, you need to shut the fuck up and get the fuck. And you're all like, leave us. And one guy started doing burnouts in front of his tent. Yeah. Like, you're antagonizing these dudes. Like, they're going to, they're going to react. Yeah. But that was, that was fun. That's my first Sturgis. I was like, this is sick. I like this. <laughs> oh, dude. What I love about Sturgis is... There's not many people like those two dudes there, right? No. Everybody that you well, run into, they fucking work all year long so that they can take off a week or two to go fucking turn it on in Sturgis. World's that up. may be the only time they ride their dude, motorcycle. Dude, it is the only time. They show up to fucking party, dude. It's the world's largest dentist convention. Mm. I mean, there's, there's a lot of dentists there. Uh, you'd be surprised. There's a lot more people. And it was weird, too, because it was an election year. So it was, like, really politically charged. And it's like, you know, I went there for motorcycle history. I went there to ride my chopper there, you know. I didn't go there for all that other shit, but it was there anyway. Politically charged? You felt like it was politically charged? Every fucking, and I shit you not, every fucking corner, just, like, I don't know where these people got it all printed at, but just, like, the most... Trump memorabilia. Oh, yeah, they were selling that shit. Well, yeah, well, 100%, but that's what I mean is, like, you know, you go there for motorcycles, and it's you just end up seeing dudes wearing shirts of, like, I don't know who's making these shirts either. There's Trump, like, shirtless, riding an eagle with a machine gun in his hand. So like, badass. damn, dude. Like, I hope they make somebody spent like Somebody spent day. their fucking time. I need to find the dudes who are making these because I want them to make a certain, sh- like, I have a shirt in my head. But I need to know who's making these. You want it that style? That style. I don't know who makes a, that style of shirt. But that very, like, ultra-realistic cartoon sort of deal. But, man, dude, like... The orange... Say what you will about the politics of it. Whoever makes us is fucking talented. Like, oh, man. Yeah, I that mean, year was good. 
That was a fun year. And then, like... That was a really good year because it wasn't even that crowded. It was, like, the 50th... Or was it the 75th? Yeah, it was, like, it was was one of the... 80th or something? It was the 80th. That's what it was. It was, like, a big one. You know, it was a big one. But it wasn't a big one. What was supposed to be... The only people that showed up there were the people that were, like, you know, if this virus is going to kill us... We're fucking going out at Sturgis, super, dude. Super spreader. We're fucking going out riding our motorcycles. But, uh, fucking somebody, somebody, some bartender or something was like, man, I've seen a lot of wives here this year because no one had a job. So it's like these wives are all in the house. And I'm like, well, you're going to take me to Sturgis too. Mm-hmm. So tons of trailers. I was playing tag with this dude on a trailer. The dude just decided he didn't want to slow down. So this guy with... Five baggers on a trailer and his big ass diesel like fucking thirty five hundred truck right just kept getting in front of me and if anybody's ridden like that highway into fucking what is it what highway goes into Sturgis fucking forty the highway there. no it's not forty anyway it's eighty 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 so I took the highway there that year um, it is windy as fuck already and then having just a rig pull in front of you like that. And, I, you know, on a Why small light. Like, leave him. Well, I can't. I can't Evo, leave six speed in a fucking truck with five baggers keeps catching up to you. <laughs> you know, when you put it like that, it's pretty demoralizing. But um, so the whole deal was I was into a headwind, though. So I couldn't go that so was fucking he. fast. Well, that dude fucking. <laughs> I don't know what was up with that, dude. But I don't know what that guy had to use. Fucking, but it was like I was maxed out. Right? Really? I was maxed out. I was going fucking 85, 90 miles an hour, and this dude still made it a point to try and pull in front of me. And He park. wanted you to see us. He was like, man, this is well, a they photographer. Kept, they kept getting next a, to me. Maybe this guy will take my picture. They kept getting next to me and giving me the horns, and I kept giving him the finger. Oh, yeah, you were asking for it. Yeah, and then I fucked You were so that we old man, up, but on the road. Yeah, but two I, old dudes. You were that. Yeah. I was like just trying. I was just. I, I just had a bunch of hate. You kept discontent. getting in front of their truck and slowing down. They're like, "This motherfucker, we got fast." Those again. guys, dude, they can slow down. No etiquette. But then they pull over at the gas. We end up at the same gas station, right? And I made it a point at Sturgis that I parked only next to Goldwings the whole time. I, I just thought it was funny. And then when they'd come out, I'd be like, "It looks like I parked next to the only other real motorcycle here." And then. uh <laughs> And then, uh, so this guy comes out of his truck and he looks at me and he goes, man, we were playing tag there for a little bit. I was like, dude, go fuck yourself. Just leave me alone. I don't, I I don't want to be, I don't want to talk to you right now. That's the problem in surgery. like, I feel like I could have had, I felt like I wasted probably hours just having to explain to every person, like, it's not a triumph. It's not a bobber. It's. It's not a knucklehead. It's not a panhead. It's not a shovelhead. Hey, man, how, how far do you get on that tank? I should have started tallying how many times. You know the feeling. Pull over to gas station. You're just trying to, like, gas up and go. And is it's good if you're around your bike to be getting on it or getting off of it. Yes. And then walk away from that yeah. motherfucker. I, I just, people would come up and talk to me. I'd just be getting off my bike and just walk right away, like, just, beeline away from the motherfucker. You just got to be on a mission, dude. Yeah. Fucking thousand-yard stare. Yeah, Oof. that's exactly right. So did you get to do any riding? Did you get to like see yeah. the sights? Did you get to see yeah, needles? I, got to ride. I, got to... I still haven't done needles because every time I try to go do needles, it is, it's like waiting in line at Disneyland for something. Really? They got baggers at Disneyland? They got a lot of things at Disneyland, dude. 
So the have key, you ever seen? Have you ever seen the motorcycle? The people who wear like who who like have like clubs at Disneyland. No. They were like cuts. I mean, I've never been to Disneyland. Dude, it's insane. Like they had I you don't have to go to know about this. There was like an article about it. But these people will go there in like a cut, right? Like a denim cut and then put like three patch pieces of like their club of Disneyland and have like patches and pins all over it and then wear them. I'm not even going to acknowledge that. Uh <laughs> it's I just wanted you to know so I could ruin your day. I don't even remember what the fuck I was going to say now. What the fuck were we talking about? Talking about needles. He said, uh, you're Oh, yeah, the key to ride needles is to go at the end of the day because all those motherfuckers want to be back at their camp when the sun is down. So as the sun is setting, there's nobody on that fucking road. Yeah, but so I did Sturgis again this year, and I had way more fun this year because uh, so Zach, my buddy Zach and Jay Miller and some other people were in town on their own trip, and I linked up with them and camped out with them. We were, like, sneaking in and out of this campground every night. We'd, like, just shoot past the security guard, and we were camped back in some trees. It was fun to watch them, like, chase after you, but you're going 30 Which campground? I don't fucking remember. Um, and it was, like, just some touristy one. It was just a bunch of fucking, like, giant RVs and stuff, like, million-dollar rigs and stuff. And, um, and then Grossman showed up with Ken and Busby and all of them, and we... uh. And that was really the first time I got to hang out with them, and they're great fucking people. But it was fun. Like, he was riding Dick Allen's locomotion. Yeah. I put back together. That thing is bad as fuck. 100 mile an hour knucklehead, dude. Quote unquote stock. You know? But um, it's just gearing. Yeah. And uh, we rode around, and like, we all got caught in the rain after Rushmore. That was awesome i was la- i was laughing so fucking hard because i didn't wear my helmet that day i was wearing this shitty bandana i bought from like a fucking one of the stores that they have outside at the gas station oh dude i bought this awesome like durag bandana that was like fucking war eagles all over it it was sick i still have it i still wear they it. they got those at sturgis for sure oh it's so cool and i was just in like a t-shirt and i get caught in like this torrential downpour and i run really small air cleaner whole bike just choked out just gave up on me. Dude, it fucking rains and It does. And, like, I didn't expect it. And, you know, I wasn't prepared. Didn't have my tools on me. So I just pushed it across the street. Zach is telling me to meet up with me. And there's, like, these... Because we're across from a campground. And there's these dudes who are half drunk. And we're like, hey, man, like, you guys got tools? And guy goes, tools? What are tools? He's, like, doing that game. I'm like, look, dude, like, I'm fucking soaked. My bike isn't running. This was funny until it got really cold. Like, I just want to get back on the road, and I just want to, oh, like... Oh, that guy really started laughing there. Oh, he was. But, I mean, I was <laughs> laughing with him. I was like, dude, I just need a socket wrench for my fucking sparkler. cleared it out and fucking kept on, like, went down the road. But that was that was definitely a memorable story, just because of, like, going to see Kid Rock. Oh, you got to see Kid Rock? Super spreader event, 100,000 people at Kid Rock. Fucking... Dude, it's funny for an event that preaches how much they love freedom. They really hate it when people exercise their freedom to move up to the front of a Kid Rock concert. Fucking, we start moving up, and one lady, people were like linking arms to block us. This one family, five people, linked arms to block us from going, and we just walked around them. Then, like, we're partying and we're having a good time, and one lady comes up to me at the end of it and goes, You need to apologize to my daughter, blah, blah, blah. She was sitting in a chair, and y'all knocked her down and go, 
shouldn't have been in the pit, dude. Like, I, I didn't knock anyone over on purpose. Like, I'm fucking, you're in the, you're at a concert. There's one lady, <laughs> one lady goes, you just knocked over a lady with an oxygen tank. I'm like, there's so many people smoking cigarettes right next to you. Why the You are fuck? just a fucking asshole, dude, fuck yeah. is what it sounds like. What? That sounds like their own fucking problem, dude. Not mine. <laughs> How was Kid Rock, though? Awesome. It was so good. It's just, it's just like, it's the most ignorant <laughs> show you could ever go to during Sturgis. Just, it's so fucking funny. I don't know. There's, it was just like the perfect way to end it. And then you, and then, uh, I was an asshole because afterwards I was so hyped up from it. We were camping next to that little lake spot they have at the, it's at the Buffalo chip, right? They, that lake spot. Yeah. Um, I was like, fuck it. I'm jumping in the water and Jay is just egging me on. And I jump in, I jump in the shallow end and just fucking almost broke my nose. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even do like the rope swing or nothing? My feet were still out of the water when I hit my face. (laughs) oh fuck oh man that's awesome it's a good time dude so Sturgis 2020 did you go see Whitey Morgan no dude that was the fucking coolest shit ever was it just cause I heard Smash Mouth I heard Smash Mouth playing nobody had heard music in months oh yeah live music and the band his band he was talking about like fuck I got goosebumps like they're like we haven't even played for any. We hadn't even. Done, like, you imagine they were how making mistakes on stage and looking oh, at each yeah. other and just smiling about it. Like, can you imagine? Dude, we're getting how... to play in front of people again. Everybody was dancing. It wasn't yeah. too crowded. It was fucking so well, killer. You got to think as a musician. Like I've I've never been a musician, but I can imagine the feeling where it's like you. That's probably the most raw they had felt in a long time. Because mm-hmm. they're expected to be a pretty polished band, right? They're supposed to come out. Play a show, leave the show, like, pretty on point, right? But you haven't played music in a year. You go out there, and you're like, fuck, man. Like, that was probably the first time in a long time they felt nervous. No, I bet they didn't feel nervous at all. What they were experiencing was, like, you know, getting to do it again. When they're on the road playing all the time, yeah, they're polished band, and, you know, when they make a mistake after doing it night after night after night, they're like, you know, what the fuck happened there? Shouldn't have been making that mistake. But now when you make a mistake, it's like, Hilarious. That was awesome. Like we, I, you know, well, those, it adds the rawness back to that fucking. Band. It was fucking. I didn't know how much I needed some live music in my life. Oh, it's this last year. This last two years have been amazing. Like, do you know who? Uh, it's not country, but do you know who uh, Turnstile is? No. Okay, so they're people call them the three eleven of hardcore. Unfortunately. Oh my god! I bet they are they, great, dude. No, they actually are pretty good. But um, it's best concert, best show I've ever been to is a Turnstile show. Really? Some, because they used to play pretty like heavy hardcore music, right? Yeah. And they started trans. They just transformed their music over the years. But first time I ever saw them was in a taco shop in San Diego, 2016, and it couldn't have had more than like 10 or 11 foot roof in there, right? And they had a stack that pretty much went up to that. Some kid climbed up on top of that and did a front flip into the pit and knocked some kid out. Like, first fucking beat drop of their song. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And the pits are always really good, but they just did a show in Nashville. Sold out show at the Basement East. And there were so many people moshing and jumping up. You could feel the floor moving up and down. And 
like I didn't know how bad I needed to be in like a mosh pit for once. Like just get all that aggression out over the last yeah, few years. I feel like you know, you need a mosh pit soon again. Yeah, <laughs> oh, dude, fucking Napoleon syndrome's real, dude. <laughs> Five, six, and full of fury. Oh, my gosh. Dude, I saw fucking... What is, I guess I didn't see any music this last year. No, I just skipped out on all of it. Nothing. Not your not your scene, not your bag? No, no. What was I doing this year? Oh, I was riding my fucking adventure bike, and I was wearing myself out every fucking day, fun. dude. I saw one where your like, bike's just laying down over like a pile of fucking logs. Yeah. They looked like some loggers just left them there. That was after that was what that was was a fucking landslide and all the trees were laid down and somebody came through and just kind of like chainsawed like stacked them to where there was kind of like a road. It was fucked. I like dude. how you had to be uh yourself and just take the back road in. Where's Dan at? I don't know, he's on some mountain somewhere. That was an actual conversation I had with someone. <laughs> They're like, Where's, what road? Somebody's like, what route is Dan taking here? I was like, I think he just like took a mountain pass. They're like, what? Dude, I took <laughs> like, like I fucking know. fifteen mountain passes. Yeah, I don't know. You were out there. Like, I don't think he. I think all he's gonna send is like a GPS coordinate, like the fucking really long fucking thirty fucking. <laughs> oh, dude, on the way into Sturgis, I got pulled over. I got, think I got pulled over the last two days on the way to Sturgis. I got pulled over and they two were times in twenty four hours. So fucking nice. They were cool. I mean, I was just, I turned my bike off every time, but there was this one night. This one night. So I get. It's Sturgis. Yeah, I got pulled over. I just photographed Shinko doing the Shinko's burnout thing. So I wasn't really drinking that night because I had like been working, but somebody gave me some mushrooms. And I was like, I was, I was having a good fucking, they were, they were good. I was having a good fucking time on those. And I rode home. But I was staying at the Iron Horse, which is like out in the middle of fucking nowhere. And there's no lights on the road. There's no speed sign. The Iron there. Horse. Or the Iron Horse. Was it Iron Horse? Fucking whoa. I can't. It's something like that. It's like the Iron Horse or some. Yeah, I think it's called Iron Horse. It's like 15 miles from Sturgis. You're talking like, about out past Butte? The fucking, uh, not the broken spoke, but. Uh... Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's out there. The uh, yeah, maybe it is the Iron Horse. It is the Iron Horse, and um, because Chris and I were lucky because one of our a few you talking about a spot with a sick bar with all the machines inside. Yeah, that place and uh, sweet. Yeah, and they got like it looks like a carnival. Like when you go out, Roadside Marty does like a show there and shit like that. Roadside Marty does a show there. Yeah, he was announcing EMC's a show. He's the fucking cycle source show there. Something like that. Yeah. Fucking uh, what's your name's out back doing the high wire? I don't know about. I don't. I don't know about that. Who? What's your uh, name? name? Oh my god! I just drew a blank. Willie's sister. Fucking Utah. No, Johnny Utah. Fuck. Oh, my know. God. But And anyway, we were lucky because we had uh, some people that we knew from Nashville that were really nice to us. And they were just like, yeah, just come and, like, stay here. Just, like, here. We'll give you some passes. Come and camp out. Like, Kristen trailered her bike out there because, you know, she just wanted to get the fuck out of Nashville. And then we went on a whole trip after that, which was amazing. Learn about the joys of trailering. About to make pamphlets to people. So cool. 
uh, fucking. Um, so, so I get pulled over, right? Mushrooms. And I'm on mushrooms. Really I had a good. couple beers. I get pulled over. And the cop says, all right, sir, I'm going to need you to get in the passenger seat. Yeah, get in the passenger seat. And it was cold out, so I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll get in the passenger seat. I'm tripping balls. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, fuck, dude. I'm trying to maintain my composure right now. I'm not really trying to look him in the eye. And um, and you're like, would you do a breathalyzer? I just go, guess I got no choice, huh? And the guy just like kind of shrugs at me, which is definitely a no. And uh, I blow, and I text Chris, and I'm like, I think I just got a DUI. And then literally as I press send on the message, he goes, never mind, man, you're good. And I just replied, never mind. And then I didn't reply to her for like 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, so you know why they put you in the car, right? Because I smelled alcohol in my breath. Why? They have, a, they have like a breathalyzer inside of there. Oh, the guy made me blow into something. Well, well, they do that if you set off the other one or they smell it. Oh, okay. It's just to like close quarters. So they, they have basically two points of like contact where it'll be like, He's like, I smelled alcohol in your breath. I'm like, yeah, dude, I had like two beers tonight, two or three beers. Yeah, or the whole fucking town smells like beer outside. Yeah, and he's like, no. But I think they have a breathalyzer in there. Like, you don't have to blow on it. Like, literally, you get in there. Uh, who's to say, dude? And I they can't. got a sensor. Because every time I get pulled over, surges, they put you in the passenger seat. Well, it, yeah, it's fuck. I don't know, dude. But I, luckily, I escaped without getting anything. They, don't, they didn't even give me a ticket. I was going like yeah. 15 miles over the speed limit. No, nah, they're just trying to write DWI. Yeah, and then uh, the next morning, I get fucking pulled over again. Yeah. And, I mean, they were cool. I was cool with them, but I was going like 20 over the speed limit. And he's like, like uh, how come you're going so fast? I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't got a speedometer. I'm just trying to get to where I'm trying to go. I was just honest with him. Like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, yeah. And then they just, I think they just, that dude wanted to pull me over to talk about my bike because he just kept fucking talking to oh, me Oh, yeah, it. they do that too. So... Let's see, did I get pulled over? Yeah, I got pulled over. I get pulled over every year. One year I got pulled over leaving the uh, leaving downtown, and Timmy and uh, Jack needed a fucking ride. So I put both of them on the back of my chopper. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both fucking drunk, dude. <laughs> like legs as swinging, fucking I, hands going. As soon as I pull on the main street, there's a cop right there. It fucking lights me up, pulls me <sighs> over. You should have seen that one. Getting the fucking drive. Oh, I did. You know, like, okay. Get in the driver or passenger seat, and he's like, man. And I was like, hey, man. Or he said something about my license plate light. He couldn't see my license plate light. And I'm like, well, it's there. Timmy's backpack was, like, covering it up. And so he's like, okay, all right. And I was like, what about, I mean, I thought you pulled me over for having two people on the back of my bike. He's like, I don't even know what the rules are on that. He's like, but I bet you two guys are going to have a good time tonight. <laughs> Just gives you my driver's <laughs> license and sends me oh, off, man. dude. I should, if I'd have been thinking, I should have been like, all right, go out there and tell him to get in the passenger seat and that you're going to let me go with his girlfriend, you know? Yeah. That would have been fucking good. Come on, split us up. Yeah. Divide and conquer, man. Then I got pulled over one time on the dirt road after the, leaving the Buffalo Chip, and I had, uh, well, I was just got done racing my chopper, and, you know, at, in front of the stage before Snoop Dogg played. And I'm fucking riding back, and I get pulled over, and he's like, you know you were going 20 over? And I was just, or you are going 45. That's 20 over the speed limit. And I'm like, that's fucking embarrassing. Can we do that again? You know, I can't show that ticket. Like, that's just embarrassing. I, I can go faster than that. I need at least a misdemeanor. Yeah, like, I got let me do it again. And they were just so confused. 
you know, like. They're like, just go. A lot of those guys, a lot of people go to Sturgis. They also love authority figures for some reason. You know, who would have thought a bunch of bikers just be like, yes, sir. Love you, Mr. Cop. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I acknowledge that job as being one of the fucking worst. The absolute worst. No one fucking held a gun to their head and made them do it. No, 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 no. No, nobody held a gun to their head, but they God had something to prove, damn. dude. Oh yeah, well they definitely got something. I've got, to I've prove. got my own opinions about those guys. We can just move on from literally, this one. You're just like swelling up over there. I know, fucking becoming a giant butterball of rage over here. Swelling oh, up like so a, nice. I'm swelling up like a ballpark Frank, dude. I was going twenty over. Yeah. You didn't Fuck. tell them how you really felt about them. Hmm. I think I made a defund the police joke, and that didn't go over too well. Oh, man. But whatever. I bet not. I was just fucking trying. To, that was in the morning, though, you know, when I knew that I wasn't on drugs and I could get away with it. Dude, I got pulled over, or I didn't get pulled over. I, the one time I talked to a cop when I was on mushrooms, I was taking a piss at the top of a parking garage to get a tap on the shoulder with my dick <laughs> in my top. hands. <laughs> I turned around, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Can I you finish? Know, I zip up. <laughs> And I, I turned around and looked at him, and I swear the star on his chest was just spinning in circles. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, you're just trying to maintain. And he's like, you know, let me see your ID. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I pull it out, and I give it to him. And he's like, well, you're not even 21. And I'm like, yeah, I guess he just thought I was drunk, you know? I'm like, I, I, I just had to be 21 to, like, pee on the top of the parking garage. to take a piss, dude. Nature's calling. So, yeah, he just let me go. I love I love peeing outside. Oh no, he goes, he goes. Who are you here with? And I, my buddies were at the elevator waiting on me, and there was a glass wall, and I point over there before I look, and one of them is on one foot, just pressed up against the glass <laughs> like this. And I'm like, I'm with those guys. Oh, oh you know, yeah. I'm like oh, I don't oh, know who they damn are. Damn it, those fucking jackasses. They all have that one friend. So then it fucked, dude. Every helicopter I heard that night, I'm just like, they're fucking coming, dude. Dude. They uh, know. I had this teacher in high school. told us probably the wildest story. Uh, fucking, he was working this job in Indianapolis. And to get to the job, he had to drive by a bunch of cornfields. So one guy was on his way to work. And on his way to that work, and he had to, like, piss real bad so he pulls over and he starts peeing in a cornfield on the side of the road all of a sudden fucking helicopter and fucking cop cars descend out of nowhere to get this guy apparently somebody was growing pot in this fucking field oh my god and it was a sting they were waiting they were fucking monitoring this field <coughs> and he's like no I'm just trying to go to work like I have to take a piss he made the cops write him a note about what happened oh my god and cause I'm pretty sure it's like in the 90s like this isn't like yeah. he couldn't, couldn't just pull out his phone and take a photo of like everything that was happening and he had to go to work and be like you'll never believe me but here's a note from like the sheriff oh my <laughs> that god that was happening took a piss in the wrong field oh dude do that stretch a tin top from here to the highway is like fucking 12 miles beautiful and uh, it's 40 miles an hour and let me tell you not with that attitude when you're fucking drunk and you're coming home late at night might as well you want to go 40 because you don't want to get pulled over i swear 
I've never had to pee worse than going 40 miles an hour, like three miles oh, it's from painful my house. Because you're thinking about like, it. Oh my that's God. St- that's how if I pull over, is it worse? Should I speed or should I just pull over and pee on the side of the road drunk? Well, you that's know? exactly like, how Sturgis feels because it's supposed, like, when it's off season, it's like 50, but when it's the season, it's like 25 everywhere. Yeah, so stop you're just in, you're in second gear the entire time, just, tr- just sitting there. Just like sitting on your bike, fucking like, man, I gotta piss real bad. I gotta pull over. You're just looking for a portage on. There's none. And then you gotta fucking sit in traffic. Listen, some dude's shitty ass fucking corn CD. Dude, I broke a fucking my sissy bar one time over at the, my friend's, the Canadian's house, Scott's yeah. place. Just like went to kickstart my bike, you know, leaning on my sissy bar and just snapped. Done that before. Like, fuck. And, the horse uh, bracelet. and it's like two o'clock in the morning. So he was like, just take my bagger back to your campsite and you come back in the morning. We'll fix it. So I did that. I took off on his bagger and I'm trying to go the fucking speed limit. And I'm like, you know, I thought I was fucking speeding at first. Cause I looked down, I'm going 60. I'm like, what the fuck? So then I slow down to like 35 or whatever it was. And now I'm like going slow as fuck. The thing was in Canadian, dude. Because he's from Canada, so it was in kilometers, kilometers, dude. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't even know how fucking fast I'm going I used going to trick right my now. brother. by I had this Pontiac Bonneville, like 2001, and I would, like, switch it from kilometers or from miles to kilometers. But, like, Kyle, look how fast we're going. God, It'd be, like, 110 <laughs> kilometers yeah. per hour. And he'd get freaked out. Slow down. Because he's a big rule follower. He's like, slow down, slow down, slow down. He's a big rule follower, is that what you're going to say? Huge rule follower. <laughs> Are you telling me you're not, dude? Me? Yeah, you don't Look follow me, the rules, dude. huh? Well, mm. uh, uh, it's debatable. You know? There might be some more in there. Yeah, just look at me. You know. All right, so so uh, you went to Sturgis, and then you and your girlfriend went on a trailer trip. Yeah, trailer trip. That's a good way to put it. Trailer trip. I like trailer trip. Trailer tripping. Trailer trip. Yeah, we went to. Um, was it enclosed or just like an open trailer with enclosed U-Haul trailer, six by twelve U-Haul trailer, and she had some like wheel chocks from fucking uh, Northern Tool. Dude, that thing was a setup. She had like a good ramp. I would, I just pulled them in and out myself every day. Fucking. Well, girls yeah, can't I, do that kind of stuff, dude. I'm so impatient too, because I'm the type of dude where I'll sleep in the clothes I'm gonna like. I'll sleep in the clothes I'm gonna wear tomorrow. Like I won't even change. I'll just wake up. I literally have worn the same pants for a year. Mm-hmm. Just throw my pants That's on. That's how they get good. I just change my, my underwear and my socks. That's it. Yeah. Sometimes just socks. But like, and so I'm ready to go in five minutes. She wants to look cute. And, you know, it takes a while, right? She wants to. It she takes wants, a while for her to look cute. She wants to take a while. <laughs> she takes her sweet ass time. Are you know, just an asshole statement, dude. That, she wakes up no. cute. You're she t- wakes up cute. Okay? She got, no, she wakes up beautiful. The she problem just is, is the preparing herself for you. Okay. No, she ain't. Because I tell her she's beautiful without makeup, and she's like, "No, fuck you. I'm gonna put this on." I'm like, "Okay, cool. Do what you want to do." But I'm impatient, so I'm like, I feel like everyone should take five minutes to get ready. Right? That's my problem. Right? So I'm like, all right, I'll go kill time. I'll go pull the bikes out. I'll do all this. Make sure we both have gas. All this shit. And uh, yeah, we got to. We both like. Rode through Yellowstone, but because we could take our time, we could really like take it all in and enjoy it. Like we did Chief Joseph Pass, we did Beartooth Pass, we did Yellowstone, and we got to ride every road. Got to see the, got to see Old Faithful, got to see the Prismatic Springs. Like there's nothing like it on Earth. It's insane. It's like seeing a painting in real. Like it, it's fucking nuts. Yeah, it, it's 
and uh, prismatic springs. The, prism, the Grand Prisma, Prismatic Springs. It's that one that looks like Gobstopper. You know, where it's got the different color concentric rings. Yep. Um, because of different iron. I think it's because of di- like either algae. There's like algaes, uh and the iron contents of the hot springs. Mm-hmm. Like different organisms have. It's like being in the movie The Land Before Time. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was crazy because my first cross-country, or the one that I did in 2020, was wild because when I was on my way there, I rode through this canyon. And it's like they had a sign-up that said, these are X amount of million years old. And you're just like, fuck, dude. Like, you realize how small you are, especially when, you're, especially when you're on a motorcycle. Yeah. You're a bug, dude. Like, I mean, what's awesome is like seeing something, you know, a huge view. You know, like being on top of Beartooth and looking back and just like seeing how big everything is. You're like, fuck. Just an ant crawling around. Yeah. Like your time, on, your time on Earth is so fucking short. It's a blip. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so it, it was, it's like really cool and humbling experience to go and do something like that. And then, and then being able to like just Montana and Wyoming are just, fucking beautiful anyway like watching the sunset there is just unreal like i don't know that whole part of the country is amazing i love it like i think montana wyoming and new mexico are some of my favorite states to ride through it's just insane just montana and wyoming don't tell them about new mexico yeah i mean like albuquerque is beautiful (laughs) albuquerque is great albuquerque is great it is just unbeatable especially for like skating ditches man yeah that's actually like a pretty factual statement. <laughs> but when we were, when I was going to El Diablo on the first time, we all stayed at a KOA in uh, Albuquerque. Man, dude, that shit was like a you pool. stayed at a KOA. In I didn't Albuquerque? know. I didn't even know like downtown Albuquerque. I didn't oh, know it existed. My God, I, I was just like I didn't I didn't know that that's where we we're headed. And the guy who like ran it was like an ex marine. He's like shouldn't be going outside the gate after this time. I'm like where the fuck are we? <laughs> and we went to the liquor store down or the gas station down the street to buy some beer. They wouldn't let one of our friends buy beer because he didn't have his ID. So then they wouldn't let our other friend who was sitting next to him buy beer. <laughs> Even though these guys look like they're in their forties. Like, <laughs> and then, so I was hanging out in the back and I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm not with him. And like grab some beer. Saw some dude just grab beer off the shelf and just walk out the store. Saw somebody get solicited outside. Saw another dude get robbed. I was like, Man, this Albuquerque, dude. Albuquerque, dude. Cool I played place. a gig there years ago, and we got there early. And I walked fucking a couple blocks away to the subway, and I get my sandwich, and I'm eating it. And these two fucking dudes look like they just got out of the pen, walked in, like holding their pants by their knees, walk up to the counter, and like we need to use your bathroom. He's like, man, it's for paying customers only. And dude, they lost their shit, dude. Started pulling change out of their pocket and just you, throwing hey, it at this kid. Yo, you Finally, the kid gives them the key, and they go in the bathroom, and they come out fucking stoned, dude. Hell yeah. Now they're not holding their pants. They're just falling down. They're stumbling yeah. to the door, throw the key back at the kid. It's like, holy fuck, dude. That night after the gig, there was nothing but red and blue lights everywhere. Everywhere. Cops everywhere, lights on. Sounds they like- were all busy. There was not like... One hanging out waiting to pull somebody over, like every cop. Sounds like our last night in Daytona. Yeah, I missed that, dude. I got out early. Oh man, that was. What did I miss? What happened? How did this happen? How did how did Jeremiah lose his composure? You should repeat that statement. (laughs) 
But, you know, Jeremiah and I are similar. We're both Pisces. We just lose our shit, right? You're both Pisces. Pisces, you know. Oh, my God. Fucking, um, so we're in front of this bar, and it was, like, a mellow night, and then, like, some drunk dude, like, ran into, like, three, ran into a bike, and I toppled two more bikes, and Jeremiah's was, like, barely, like, almost got clipped. Like, if that guy had come in a little bit more hot, he would have hit Jeremiah's. So his bike didn't get hit. Jeremiah's bike was fine. But, so Jeremiah went over to a guy, and, like, was pretty calm about it. It was like, look, dude, blah, blah, blah. And the guy starts mouthing off, and Jeremiah starts mouthing off, and it escalates. And Jeremiah, like, I don't know what this dude said, because I'm just like, it's like watching a silent movie when you're across the street. And Jeremiah just Spartan kicks this fucking dude. The dudes are fucking just standing right in front. That was how the fight started. His finger in fucking Jeremiah's face. The dude, Jeremiah, like, if you know Jeremiah, he loves to show off how fucking long his legs are. <laughs> no, fucking throwing his legs over trash cans and shit. He's like, I used to do kick flips. Yeah, Bam! karate, motherfucker. Uh, and he fucking doesn't. And like, I swear to God, like a million cops descend upon the situation, like. Out of alleyways, like they just fucking go and choke slam Jeremiah to the street. Perfect. You know, fucking Nick Reddick is just like watching in the corner, like fucking Batman or some shit, just like fucking not saying a word to hands like crossed, like looking at the situation, just listening. I mean, if it weren't that guy, guy Jeremiah would probably still be in Daytona jail. Like he, he thank God for his extensive knowledge of the uh, penal system. He. uh was able to figure out who to call, where to go, how to get Jeremiah out. Like, it was awesome. Yeah. Like, no one had to really worry. Like, it was just, it was just a matter of when they were going to release. Mm-hmm. And then, buddy Cody and I, who has since passed, we rode up to before Jeremiah got. We had to get up to Savannah before it got dark. I was trying to go see my mom and all that shit. So we dipped out. But then all the so you boys, just left him in jail? No. So I'm about to get to that story before you start jumping to conclusions here. Um, so we had Jake, uh, Jake Silver rode Jeremiah's bike back to where we were all staying, back to JoJo's place. And we, uh, when they found out when he was going to get out, Zach got on Jeremiah's bike and all the boys got on their bikes and went to the Daytona fucking county fucking jail. Zach got off of Jeremiah's bike and Jeremiah got right on. And from the it's fuck the video is amazing. Eight eight choppers just roll up, and there's a dude who just got out of jail too, sitting next to Jeremiah. And this dude's just like, "What the fuck?" Like his face is just like jaws down here. Jeremiah gets on his bike and just rips out of jail. That's awesome. It's like something out of a David Mann fucking painting, dude. That's how you fucking leave Daytona. That was cool. Fucking time to go. Came on vacation, left on probation. Time to go. Yeah. But I mean that all that all fizzled out. Apparently, I don't know. He handled it well. Yeah, I don't know. Everybody's okay now, you know. Fifteen grand and fifteen miles don't make you a biker. <laughs> going going to going to jail in Daytona does though. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was a biker well before that. Oh yeah, he is. Just solidified. Love it. Yeah, that's biker shit in Daytona. He going back to Daytona. Yeah, I'm going. Fucking, I mean, I don't know if Jailbird Jerry is going to show up, but that, that was the nickname that Nick had given him, Jailbird Jerry. Yeah. It's perfect. I like it. Me too. Jailbird Jerry. Jailbird Jerry. Fucking, yeah. So, 
So you're not going to Mama Tried, you're going to the beach. I'm going to the beach. I went to Mama Tried a couple months ago. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to the beach where it's warm. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm really, like, I love Mama Tried, and Scott is amazing. Like, he invited my bike. He wanted my bike to be in the show, but set up as if I was on a trip, which I thought would have been awesome. Yeah. But uh, next year. Next year. Hopefully bringing the shovel head next year, though, to Mama Tried. But Oh, the shovel head. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, dude, there's some cool shit on that bike that we've been working on. Uh, this guy, Scott Koss, does that Sunset Cycle. He's been repopping the Phase 3 Inners, right? Okay. I uh, drunkenly messaged him like a year ago and was like, what if we did a primary where you could fit a two-inch belt drive inside of it? And it looks like a shaved 66 primary. He goes, like, sends me photo to a wood pattern like a week later that he'd been working on. Perfect. And he just finished it up yesterday. Nice. And it's just so fucking kick only, like, Cast aluminum primary, you can fit a two-inch belt drive inside of. I think he's going to be selling them, too. Fucking stoked on that. No, this is like, Dude, not many people run a two-inch primary. Well, well, the way that he adjusted the dimensions where it looks stock. But, like, two-inch belt drives on a stroker is definitely the way to go. You know? I mean, I ran a two-inch on mine for fucking four years. Yeah, that belt won't tear. I've torn two one-and-a-half-inch belts on my Evo. In a year, everything's lined up. So I can, you know, sands the wheelies, but it's fine. I don't, I'm not like Cliff or anything. You know? <laughs> no, you're not. I just like, like I just Cliff. like, I do the you pop. I do that. Give it a little, like I give a little, cl- I give a little pop and a it comes Springer up. wheelie to get her going. Yeah. I don't know. I did, I did one on accident. I was like way higher than I thought it would be next to Miles when I was in uh, Savannah a few months ago. And I, that, I'm, I'm good for a while after that one. Yeah. About shit myself. <laughs> Yeah, your bike could do a fucking killer, Willie. Have you let Cliff Willie your blue bike yet? Yeah, I would let. I'll, I'll let him. I'll, I'll let him do it. Uh, if I bring it out there this summer, I'll let him do it. You should definitely. Do I that. we definitely should. He tried to wheelie Z's bike, but he didn't even leave the fucking driveway. He started Z's bike and it just fell over. <laughs> yeah. Good what time. is Z's bike? His panhead. Oh, Z. Yeah. Bilal. Yeah, Bilal. I it was sitting there idling. There. It, it idled itself into gear and just fucking fell over. <laughs> he got stuck at the border because he is an outside oiling panhead, and it overheated. And he was stuck at the Mexican border for like two and a half hours. We kept trying to send somebody to go down and get him. He's like, "No, it'll start any moment now." He's just there for like two or three hours, like sitting at customs. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but I mean, a lot of these things that I'm talking about too, like. I have to do a plug real quick. I've been working on a book, for, that book for the last four years. And um, you plug. I'm going to pee. Cool. Then I'm going to ask questions about everything you just told everybody. Are you listening? Yeah. So I've been uh, working on a book for the last four years called Memories for the Things You Don't Remember Doing. And essentially it's uh, a compilation of work uh, from my travels around the United States. So there's a lot of people that you know. People you don't know, scenarios, scenes from partying. It's a lot of tender moments. But uh, really just something that I'm proud of. It's uh, 125 images, both digital and uh, 35 millimeter.
Got quiet, dude. Yeah. Your plug's over? It's easier when I'm talking to somebody. Oh, man. It is easier, isn't it? Yeah. It is easier. So, you got a book? Yeah. Documenting all these rad adventures. Mm-hmm. Making, making fucking people look cooler than they are. Always. Oh, I mean, that's your job. That is my job. I mean, if you do your job right... I'm not the hype man. Some people hype, you know, that aren't cool are going to look really fucking cool. Always. Yeah. Myself included. Ah, but Warren, uh, Warren Stoddard wrote the forward to it. And I, How did this start? How did this become? So I've always, when I went to Syracuse, they really got us thinking about long-term projects, long-form projects. And... I always wanted to do it, and I always thought it would be cool to do a book of what, whatever I was doing at the time, right? And over the years, like, I really fell into photographing motorcycles. And I was like, well, fuck. Like, you know, for the last, like, three years, I've always been like, I want to put together a book. And every time I tried to lay it out, I'm like, it's missing something. It's fucking missing something. It's fucking missing something. Then this last year, um, I bought a point-and-shoot 35-millimeter from Jeremiah, and I started using my other 35-millimeter a lot more. And when I started layering in those film photos with all my digital and all the trips that I've done in the last, like, two or three years, like, it really set the book off. It really ended up giving... Tied it all together? Really tied it up. Tied the room together, Mm -hmm. you know? Put up some new curtains and it tied the room together. But... And... So I'm really proud of this work. Like, this is something that I've worked really hard to do. I did all the layout myself. I, uh, Nick Rusty helped me out with finding the font for it and everything. Like, there's a lot of thought that went into every aspect of this book. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a book by someone who rides motorcycles, edited by people who ride motorcycles. Like, hell, the fucking book is printed by one of the hates. Like, who? Uh, Nick Brunson. He prints, huh? Banner digital printing. Nice. Like, it's very much an in-house effort, you know? Like, these books don't get done just by one person. Like, no, you know, it's not, and it's certainly not an easy effort, you know? It's done multiple prints, and I still have to work on things. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, I'm trying to be as detailed-oriented about it as possible. So how did you go about laying them out? Like, I, like, uh, like, was there an order, or was there, like, a, a so storyline you were trying so first, to achieve? So at first, what I was trying to do is, like, I broke it down from the title, where it was, okay, memories for things you don't remember doing. How can I lay this out in, like, maybe a dreamlike sequence or something like that? So, uh, you know, fading in and out from black and white to color. But what ended up happening was it got very confusing and very, like, hard to follow along. So I reached out to this guy named Mark Merman, who edits uh, Mother Jones Photo Magazine, right? He, um, he's their head editor. He agreed to edit my book for me, which I'm super thankful for. Um, so he kind of laid it out in a different way that I wasn't thinking about. You know, I'm, I'm not good at editing my work. I'm good at photographing, but I'm not good at being like, oh, well, this photo, not this photo, this photo, et cetera, right? So... We finally came up with like a good sequencing of images, kind of trim some of the fat. But I also want people to pick this up and like when they're at fucking breakfast and just look through it, you know, they're about to go for a ride and like, or somebody look at it for inspiration or just like, you know, oh, what can I do on my trip? 
or something mm-hmm. like that. And that's why the index is there, so they can see what states that's in and maybe try and find something similar. You know, it's it's a nine by nine book. It's pretty big. Yeah, you it's, know, it's a it's a chunk of work. It's a it's it's a body of work, and it's, it's like not going to be the cheapest thing on earth, but it'll be it'll cost the amount of one night at the bar. You know, and all the first copy. There, I'm only doing like the special edition. There'll only be ten. That'll be available for pre-order for the special edition. That'll never get printed again. What's the, what's what's so special? so? What's so special about it is is that it will come with this dust jacket that will be made uh, by uh, Rusty Zilstra. Um, he owns Sidna Clothing Company, right? He is making a denim dust jacket that's going to be stained with oil and dirt. Damn! And then on the inside of it will be a patch with your name on it. Damn. The number of edition you got, the number, so it's like 1 through 15, and then signed. And every book, whether you get it special edition or not, will come with an 8 by 8 print inside of it, as well as the book. Nice. And every book for the first edition will be signed as well, just not numbered or anything. So, you know, um, still hashing out the details. I'm hoping to do start pre-order by March. But I will be keeping copies super limited. Like yeah. I don't like my dream isn't to have 500 copies of a book sitting around. If it sells 500 copies, cool. But you know, I only plan on actually selling it every few months for about two years, and then never printing it again. Then that's it. That's hang it. it up. Hang it up, and then work on something new. A denim yeah. book cover. Because I want you to be able to go into your garage with all your asshole friends right after you've been working on bikes and be like oh look at this photo i found and not feel bad about touching the cover only 10 people though only 10 people (laughs) (laughs) gotta Uh, want it right gotta want it that's cool Mm -hmm. yeah i just gotta sit in all this dude dude rusty makes some amazing clothing it's awesome when you have to break your vest in right fucker stout dude it's fucker stout Dude. Oh yeah, it's gonna take. I mean, it's gonna take a while to break in, whether you ride or not. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think I feel like you got to put it on a punching bag or something like that to really just fucking. Oh, my, my kids have punched it. Oh, I bet. Yeah, they they kids taken are, care of that part. Fucking, I've never had two people run up to shake my hand before. Well, competing. Yeah. Com- well, they're fucking fighters, dude. They you don't fighters. say. They both just got these giant silver a, medals at the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World League the other day. Did one of your kids have a cast on? No. Oh, I thought I turned around. I thought I saw one of your kids in like a cast, like a full cast. I'm like, oh, that checks no, out. We, no. Oh. Maybe some super glue in his knee, but you got got popsicle sticks against his leg, like the, no, like, just walk it off, dude. Walk it off, <laughs> son. Rub some dirt on oh it and God. walk it off. Let's make, hey, if you're going to make tears, I'm making mud, dude, because I'm Perfect. throwing dirt in your eyes. There you go. Never heard of that one before. No, I just made it up. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah, I mean, it seems like a great place to grow up in the countryside. Oh, it's, it's good. You know, I feel like you can make mistakes and do things, but there's really little to no repercussions. Well, I mean, you, can you, really gr- be you grab really the wrong snake, there's well, some serious repercussions. Again, you're learning, like, legitimate life lessons. <laughs> dude, you know? the young one, I don't know what it is, but, like, he's just, like, got this I magnet heard, for dude. scorpions. 
Like literally, he's been stung by scorpions, wasps. Like every, if there's something that's going to sting, it's fine in that he's little He's going to be like that dude on YouTube who just tries to get stung by the most painful animals in the world. No, he has n- there's no desire for this. You know, it just comes to him. I don't think he's going to say. Well, it, it sounds up. like the life that that's been chosen for him. <laughs> no, dude. Yeah, he's out. He's going. He's there's brighter things in his future than. Well, Z, I called Bilal last night. I'm like, yeah, I'm going over to Dan's house. He's like, man, man, you're gonna have a. It's gonna be a trip, dude. He's like, <laughs> you're gonna watch his kid just grab a fucking snake and show you, and then try to like emasculate you about it or something yeah. like that. I'm like, damn, dude. I don't know if I want to go now. <laughs> that may happen, dude. You just never know with those fuckers. They're feral. Fuckers, wild, dude. They're feral. Fuck. You said it, not me. So memories for things you don't remember doing. Mm-hmm. For the things you don't remember doing. Yes, sir. Where was this fo- this uh, cover photo taken? I was taken at uh, our hotel room during Born Free. It is a, if you're not looking at the book, which most of you are not, it is a hotel room table covered with uh, powdered sugar. Uh, white beer, claws. White claws uh, and a helmet. You know, uh, I think there's a champagne bottle in there too, thanks to Marcus. There's some things in this photo. Mm-hmm. Now, did you burn the edges on purpose? Or? Yeah, so I, I uh, printed off the photo and I burned the edges and then I uh, shot another photo of it and then edited and put it back onto the book cover. You shot a photo of a photo? Yeah. So it would give it that like layered effect. I love it how you have like the names of people, and then sometimes there's just places, mm-hmm. but there's people in those photos. Yep, you're like they no names. Some there. of them I don't know the names because it's like random. Like there's one photo in there from Sturgis where it was this uh, this uh, stripper. She was letting this really drunk frat dude do body shots off of her, and I just put my camera in between her legs and shot a photo of this dude doing a body shot on on like. No one told me to stop. Like yeah. I just kept doing that. Like I don't know those people's names. I'm not going to ask either. You didn't want to know. They that probably they name. probably don't want anybody to know it was them. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, kind of tricky taking photos in a strip club. Sturgis strip club. Is what that what you said? Tell Sturgis. They're going to tell me to delete the photo. I mean, they're uh, they're all at bar. It was all at the bars though. Yeah. What oh, did Jay yeah, said? Yeah, yeah. We walked into one, and Jay goes, "Man, it's like Water World in here." Waterworld? Waterworld, dude. It's like the opposite of Waterworld out there where you were staying. No, dude. Dreads and everything. Like, just like. Oh, the Iron Horse, there's no water. No, not not at Iron Horse. It was like at one of the ones down. It was like at one of the ones downtown. It it was insane. You walk in there and it looks like every girl used to be a pirate in the past. Like, it looks like Jack Sparrow. (laughs) I know which one. But they listen to techno or something like that. But they listen to techno. Did you go to the basement? I don't know where the fuck I was, dude. It was, it seemed like every place was just the same, just different theme, you know? Yeah, definitely different. It was One-Eyed Jacks. That's where it was, One-Eyed Jacks. Yeah. Checks out, right? They got that. Oh, yeah. Don't ever eat the Asian food in front of One-Eyed Jacks. But that, that dude with the dreads is a dude. Is it? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know, man. Sturgis is. So I what's on the calendar it. for this year? What's the plan? Uh, Daytona, uh, Apocalypse Run. Um, I'll be doing a DVR this year with some friends. Got uh, asked to come out do DVR. Um, and then uh, I want to ride to Maine. 
as well. Want to go eat some fucking lobster rolls, dude. Nice. I really want to ride to Maine. Uh, might do that with some people. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of keeping it light this year. I'm really trying to like. What about your shop? Uh, well, so I was doing a photo studio for a while. It just really didn't pan out the way that I uh, thought it was going to. Oh, it did not. No, but it's fine. I learned a lot of good lessons about running a business that I wouldn't have otherwise learned. Okay. It's like I didn't have that much money invested to it. And I think I realized that I travel more than I'm at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I can get rid of that overhead, I can really uh, see it can excel more mm-hmm. into what I want to do. And I think that's not, that's an important thing about businesses. I mean, I thought that was a big change of pace for you to open up a brick and mortar. I was just doing something different. Yeah. I don't know what I want to do. I just want to figure it out by, you know, you try something, you fail, you learn from it, you try something again, you might succeed. So I'm trying to take it in stride. Um, I'm slowing down. I've done more traveling, I feel like, in the last two years than some people do in like 10. Yeah. So I'm trying to slow down a little bit. Probably Some, do some people like, do their whole life. Yeah. But I'm trying to do some like, maybe do some more college courses since I have a GI Bill. Do some more of that. Maybe take some business courses and learn something that I didn't, you know, not good at it. So I want to learn some more about it. Um, and just like take some more time to focus on like being at home and taking care of myself and, you know, not stopping partying. Like I want, like I would love to be on the road for forever, but it ebbs and flows. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to take more time to focus on like to enjoy doing certain things rather than trying to jam pack it all into a summer. Mm-hmm. So if I can enjoy, really enjoy three events, right? Three or four events a year rather than trying to do a cross country every fucking year, I think it will really benefit the experience and the images that I'm making. Absolutely. During that. I can be more, it can, the photos will be a little bit more intimate. There'll be a little bit more like, oh, I, oh, I have to photograph this. I have, it'll be less of that and more like, man, I'm so excited to go up there and see what I'm going to get. You know, when you talked about also working on some other things, maybe outside the motorcycling realm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've been, uh, so, so I also, uh, moonlight as a photojournalist. Uh, I work for Bloomberg and Getty on the side. Um, I'm a freelancer for sure, but I was, I photographed the, um, the tornadoes in Kentucky. That's right. Yep. I photographed the tornadoes in Kentucky and that went, uh, um, those photos were all over. I got nominated or I was, I was submitted by Bloomberg and Getty for a Pulitzer prize photo of the year, uh, press photographer of the year, stuff like that. I was submitted. I haven't gotten anything yet, but I'm really trying to make it as a photojournalist as well. There's stories that I want to tell that motorcycles are not necessarily involved. And sometimes they are like right now I'm, I'm working on an essay, a photo essay about Nick Reddick. I find him to be an extremely, uh, interesting and intelligent person that he has a lot to say and whether he says anything or not, you know, there, there's a way that he lives his life that I feel like is intriguing in a digital age, you know, you know, he, in any age, in any age, he's just, he's a phenomenon and he's a great person to like learn from and talk to. And he's, you know, so that's one assignment, but also like, I want to really tell stories that matter. And, you know, motorcycles are great. I love them, but I also don't want to make it a full-time job. 
if it becomes a full-time job, then cool. But I'm not trying to be like Michael Lichter running around with knee pads on, you know, I want, I want to like go over and there's this one photographer I follow named Victor Blue and he is amazing. He photographs a lot of like when the troops pulled out of Afghanistan, he was there photographing, documenting it. He, there's, there's always these photographers that always seem to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And the images I get are amazing. Like I talk with this one photographer named Mark Peterson. He was, he's the father of one of my friends and, um, he's an amazing photojournalist, time covers, stuff like that. Like amazing photographer. And it's really nice to be able to pick his brain. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm pretty new in the way I feel about photojournalism right now is the way I felt about motorcycles six years ago. Like I'm on the cusp of it and I'm really trying to figure out, but take all those lessons that I've learned in the past where you don't come in too hot. You figure it out. You just do a little bit at a time and you really build it up. Do the things that matter rather than trying to be in everyone's face all the time. Yep. If people think you're worthy of it, if people want you around and people want you documenting things, they have your number. They know, like, you, that means you go out and you do an amazing job. That, you know, you don't go out and fuck the job out because no one's going to want to hire you again. But if you go out there and get them everything they need and then some, you're on someone's list. Mm-hmm. All it takes is that one good connection. And that's really what I'm trying to move into. Is so the guy who, the first photographer you said that took pictures of the troops coming out. Well, he photographed, he was on the ground. He didn't photograph, he did photograph some of the troops, Victor Blue, but he photographed a lot of like what was happening you know, so what I was going to ask is like, yeah. is was he just is he putting his feelers out in the right places, feeling what's going on, getting it's, some knowledge, and then putting himself there, or does he get a phone call saying, "Hey, you need to there's there's shit going on here, go here." Well, so I've or, never really talked. Yeah, I know him through or I know of him through Derek Snodgrass. They were uh, they were roommates, but like Derek's the one who turned me on to him, but. So how I understand it is, yes, there are those times where you get phone calls, but it's all you. Yeah. It's you being there and talking to people and making those connections. And it's, it, the thing I love about it is it's build, you're building trust with someone. When I go and photograph someone, I don't show up with a camera in hand at first. I talk with them. I build their trust. We talk about common ground. We find that common ground. We find out if we have the same type of humor. We, we talk about worldview or whatever it is. Like when I go and photograph people for MC shop tees, sure, I go in with my equipment, but I don't just pull the camera and just put it in their face. That'd probably piss you off if I just walked in someplace, you barely know me, and I just put a camera an inch from your nose, you know? It's like, that's the same thing with photojournalism. It, it was hard because when I was in um, Kentucky, like these people just had the worst day of their life. Yeah, you know how did. weird it is to be there with a camera having to document that? Mm-hmm. So what I do is I go up to people, I put my camera behind me, and I go, excuse me, sir or ma'am, like, I know you've had the worst day of your life right now, and I'm not trying to make it worse, and I'm not trying to invade your space. I'm here with this. I, now, I said, my name is Liam Kennedy. I'm with Bloomberg. Uh, I'm a photojournalist. Never tried to hide that fact. I was like, I'm here to try and help by documenting this and showing the world this. But if you want me to leave you alone, I totally understand. I'll walk somewhere else. And they just go, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Like, come yeah. here. And they introduced me to their whole family. They would just start talking. People would just start talking. They want you to hear their story. One lady shows me a basement she had to crawl out of. 
It was insane. Like, they were photographing bedrooms with no walls, just a bed. It was insane. Like, seeing people sitting in bath, like the bathtub they had to crawl out of. It's just like, unlike anything I had really ever experienced. And it's funny because, like, I've been to these types of zones either, but the way that I went this time was so much more intimate. It, like, you know, I try to leave it there and I try not to, like, come back with it, but it, it sucks. It's it, like, you do take a piece of it with you. Hell yeah, you do. You know? If you've got any decent, of, any yeah, piece it, of decency in your body, you're taking some of that. You know, and it, it's like, I mean, it's nice to know that people really are, like, open to you, coming, especially in today's climate. You know, people don't like the word journalist a lot, especially in Kentucky. Like, it's not a state that... No, that, they're just disappointed in the state of journalism. Right. It's not like and, they don't like it. It's just the people that are being called journalists are not journalists. You yeah, know? They're out there it. fucking... And you I'm know, they're not to, telling... They're not giving people any real news. There's, there's, a, big, there's a big problem with... Um, the way that people are getting their information these days. So whether whatever ends it's on, it's it, you know there's a big crisis in the state of it right now. And so how I tried to, I just was honest with people. This is what I'm here for. This is what I want to do. Will you let me do it? Mm-hmm. I had people tell me no. I go okay. I'm sorry. Like okay, I'll, I'll leave you alone. Just walk off. Yeah, I it's not worth the people. photo. It's not worth the photo of like. I mean, the best photo that I made there wasn't even of a person. Mm-hmm. It was this movie theater. So I met this guy named Sean um, while we were in a church, and he was from the area, and he was like, oh, I'll put you in a... He was, I, I go up to him, like, excuse me, man, like, I see you're driving around. Like, he was body rescue in the Marines and stuff like that. He did body recovery. I was like, look, dude, like, I want to come with you. Like, will you come? I'm a, I'm a veteran, too. Like, I understand you. And the way I went at him, he was like, yeah, sure. Just don't take a photo of me. Okay, cool. We just went around. He just showed me the town. And then we just went spelunking. We just went everywhere. We just crawled inside of buildings to see what was up. We found this theater. No movie screen. All the chairs intact. Unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah, it was a fucking wild photo. Yeah, it was, that photo was like, and that's the photos that I'm out there for. You know, that powerful imagery. We've all seen a dude on a motorcycle. You know, we've all seen photos of people pulling each other's throttles. Like, that's cool, and that has a place, and that's inspirational, right? But what's cool is when, it gets people aid, you know, when a photo gets people aid and when it gets nationally recognized that these people need help, you know, I'm just a dude with a camera. Like, I don't like these. Have you thought about traveling outside the country? Uh, I have always wanted to be a war photographer until I met this guy named Reza, right? Famous photographer, uh, famous journalist. And we did a thing at Syracuse where we got to do a Q&A with him. I said, I want to be a photo. I want to be a war journalist. Like, what inform- What tips do you have for me? Like, what can I do? Like, well, he goes, why? I think these stories need to be told. He's like, the story's already being told. Yeah. He's like, they're being told by people who are from that country who have more information about that than you do. They have context. They were there for it. They know it. They have a family member who is involved. They know the story. You're just going over. It's like, at this point, it just seems like you want to do war porn. You go, I never thought about it like that. He goes, you have enough problems in your own country. He goes, you have a giant backyard. It's like, why don't you go to your back, own backyard and photograph that first? It's like, There's plenty of stories just like the ones over here that need to get told. He's like, have you ever gone to an impoverished neighborhood and tried to do a story there? I go, no. He goes, then why would you come to a place that has bombs, rockets, and missiles? 
Okay, well, you know what? You're right. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. And that's another thing. That's why when I got into motorcycles, like, this is my mode of transportation to photograph my backyard. You know, I hadn't seen most of the country at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been to more states on a motorcycle than I have been in a car. Like, and that's what I like. And that's what I like. And so maybe if I can keep finding those stories in my own backyard, like, eventually I'll travel overseas. But I want to prove that I can do it, you know, in the town that I live in before anything yeah. else. I don't want to feel like I'm exploiting people. You know, no one wants to be exploited. That's just dishonest. You know, Jeremiah does a great job of documenting people in his own backyard. Yeah, he does. He's always documenting people. He, he's very, he's a very compassionate person who um, really is good at putting himself in other people's shoes, whether he's been there before or not. He's very good at talking to people, and he's very good at um, getting a grip on the situation with very little dude, information. Dude, he's got some fucking crazy images on his he website, does. dude. He does, and he's got some crazy stories to go along with him. He's not you. a dude who gives up easily, yeah. you know, So, which I think helps him. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so he's a big inspiration for me, you know. Yeah. He's done art exhibits in Chicago. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, and just because everything's been done doesn't mean you can't do it in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Kirpius's images. Like, that dude's nuts. That dude's psycho when he rides. One knee turned around backwards photographing. Like, standing up on a, his crazy iron head. Like, that dude does, like, make some amazing images because he has the right context and he, he's got an amazing eye. He's fucking talented. He is. But, it, like, talent only gets you so far. Like, he's a hard worker, too. You know? There's a reason Harley Davidson hired it. There's a reason why, like, I mean, I feel like it's just the community, though, is there's a lot of really hardworking people, too, you know? Who's going to save you, right? You're on the side of the road. Who's going to be there but you, right? No one is coming to get you. Very rarely is anyone ever coming to get you. So I, I've had to learn that lesson the hard way multiple times. And, you know, you can either sit there and have a tantrum like I've had many times. Like I'm, like dude, I'm no, dead. No, you don't throw never. A but but dead serious, dude. It's like something that I've re- realized about myself, and it's something that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that way for forever. That's fucking stupid. It's childish. So the only way you can move on and get better is by fucking realizing the problem and trying to fix it. Yep. You know, it doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you fucking. You know, I just didn't have the skills. Mentally, emotionally, or like physically to fix the situation. So I just shut down. Seriously. Well, but now, I mean, but now as I'm building these skills and I'm learning from people, I, I just went. So I broke down on, on 2019, I broke down with my buddy Ethan, Willie, and I, I think it was just Ethan and Willie that were at, with me at the time. I think. One other dude may have been with us, but we broke my bike shit the bed in Arizona, like two hours from Phoenix. We were leaving Phoenix, headed back, I think. We were headed to New Mexico, and bike shit the bed. Couldn't figure it out. And I think we were going, actually, either way. We, we get it back. I get it back to Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. But to do that, I called a tow truck. We waited on the side of the road for seven hours. Because I didn't know how to fix it. We slept on the side of the road. 
feet getting kicked by cops. Fuck are y'all doing? Bikes broke down, waiting for a tow truck. Yelling at my insurance company to fucking come bring us a tow Were truck. Were the wheels not working? No, I fucking just, I had a short. That's all it was. I didn't have the tools to fix it, though. So Mike and Bruce fixed me up. And I go, you know, I am the most embarrassed I think I've ever been in a long time. And I go, I'm never going to feel this way again. I refuse to yeah, feel that way. that's a brutal feeling. It was brutal. It was really brutal. Especially like, you know, those guys weren't, ha- those guys were so calm and collected about it, but I know they weren't happy about it. Yeah. Know? I know, like, no one likes being the dude to fix somebody else's bike, right? But sometimes it's what you have to do in order to keep everything moving along, right? Yeah. So I was lucky that they were even willing to do that. Most people would just be like, sorry, dude, figure it out yourself. Not everyone's so nice, right? No. So. No, no. So I, uh. So I wired my, when I redid it, when I tore my bike apart, I redid all the wiring myself. I know every fucking wire on that bike. I know what everything goes to. I know. All four of them? All five of them. Five of them. Five of them. Very complicated. I got set of like going on. <laughs> Even then, but that was a learning. It's something I'd never done before. Never fucked with electricity before. Yeah. It's not that hard. It's really yeah. not. But it's something that I'd never done. So it seemed like a steeper challenge. It goes it and it comes. Yes. Got electrocuted a couple times, but you know, it's what it, it is. What it is. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's I just didn't want to feel that way anymore, and that's when I really started trying to fix my bike. And then when I did that cross country alone, solo, seven thousand miles on my bike, and fixed it each time. What happened then? I thought you had a Evo. It's everything. It's every. Feet. It's everything around <laughs> that that breaks. I know. Like I had a sissy bar that broke up in Michigan, and I horse braced it with an Allen Allen key and some fucking uh, and some fucking uh, uh, hose clamps. Nice. And that lasted like six hundred miles to Kendall. He welded it back up, and I was on the road. Perfect. Fucking, I had a clutch cable snap in North Dakota, and um, one dude came to get me. Um. Eric, this dude, Eric, came to get me, and uh, another dude in Kansas City. I FaceTimed with him. He's like, yo, check out how I fixed mine. He sent me photos and videoed me. He's like, look, it, this is how you fix it. Fix it right back on the road. Cut the sheathing off, right? You cut all the sheathing off, mm-hmm. and you loop it through. Uh, so if you, you have the two holes on your clutch, clutch lever, right, you loop it through, hose clamp one of them, hose clamp to another one, and then you uh, bring it back. You gotta, you gotta cut a lot of it off. But I showed up to Sturgis with that fucking cable, and I put it down on their desk because I was a fucking. I had that cable for two weeks, fucking snapped on me. Yeah, you were stoked. Oh, I just wanted to rub it in. Desk JP JP cycles, baby. The only fucking JP, the one of two JP cycles in fucking America. You know how good it felt to just go into a JP cycles rather than mailing it back to them. Go in there and be like, you owe me another one. They had one born stock. Damn. Uh, fucking got it done right there. But, like, I mean, I, I still meet, like, no one knows everything, and I definitely don't know a whole lot. So, like, I rely on a lot of my friends, but that only gets you so far if you're not doing the work yourself. Well, if you're not learning along the way. Yeah, no one wants to just do it for you. Mm-mm. You know, and I learned that lesson the hard way multiple fucking times. So, I've had people fucking... Curse at me, fucking spit on me, tell me, like, go fuck myself, fucking leave me on the side of the road. And each time... Who's done that? Don't worry about it. But... Nobody's left you on the side of the road. Yes, they have. And, yeah, I got left. uh, But it's fine. What what annoys me is when 
somebody like leaves off unprepared, when there's an obvious problem that they just ignore, that yeah, is undoubtedly going to go wrong. Yeah. Or when somebody's not even willing to like, right, lay on the ground and figure it out, get dirty, try at least try to figure it out. Right. You know, then it's like, well, you know. Yeah. And like, you know, but I mean, since I didn't grow up around this shit, like, and I didn't, I didn't really grow up in a family that preached those principles anyway. Like, these are all hard lessons I had to learn a lot later on in life. Yeah, just pray about it, dude. That's right. Yeah, just pray about just it. Just pray about just it. Pray about <laughs> it. Someone will hear you. Spaghetti, the flying spaghetti monster will hear you or something like that, right? Something. But, I don't know, it's, I'm fucking thankful for it. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, Chopper's fucking stupid. But <laughs> so, you're going to go on three trips this year? Maybe more. I'm just going to do a lot of, I like, I, I like doing that thing where you just walk out of your house and you're like, what do I got going on today? Oh, nothing. I'm just going to get on my bike and see where it takes me. Yeah. It's so much more fun. Flip a coin. North, south, east, west. You go north and south, and then you flip one for east and west. Dude, and you, you can... know what this guy I had on uh, last night? 100,000 miles. Okay. In 100 days. That sounds awful. I mean, it sounds great. That sounds great. But that, I've done the most I've ever ridden on my bike. On my, I'm sure that guy had like a nice, pretty nice bike, though, right? What was he on? Brand new 2021 Road Glide last oh, year. Oh, dude, that's a fucking sofa. I mean, those things can suck still, though, too. No, this thing is fucking bad. No. I mean, it's a brand new bike. Probably got heated grips and cruise control, dude, and a fucking, probably got a DVD player on that shit fucking or something. extra gas tank, 11, yeah, 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 11 gallons. Oh, my God. Dude, so he did 100,000 miles in 100 days, right? Okay. I mean, that's, that's I, I thought impressive. I was, fuck yeah. I thought I was going to go down there and break his balls and find out that it was bullshit. You know, not that I didn't think he could do it. You know, I'm just Why don't like, you make him ride up How do you? I even address this? It's like, you know, it's just like. That's ever, insane. It's like that. It's That's like that. Insane. It's like that dude's epic. That was it. The the gold wing that has like all the like million miles on it. Joe or something? Sparrow. Yeah, saw that bike for the first time. Man, he loves advertising that thing. Yeah, that thing's so sick. Joe Sparrow, dude. So cool. Made me want a gold wing, dude. Did CB, it? CB radio and all. Yeah, dude. You can take yeah. a nap on that thing. Yeah, you can. Fucking cool. I can take a nap on my chopper if I want to. I have taken a nap on my job. But before. check this out. So Chris Hopper, okay. you know, we're bullshit and we talk about that whole story. And then he goes and shows me his name spelt out on the roads of Texas where he like tracked his progress. He like, first he went to the map, found the roads to spell his name, Chris. And then we did it. What the fuck? And then he's trying to do every state. He's gone, done like 19 states. And each one of those rides is over a thousand miles, dude. So that's one of the things that, like, to go back to Sturgis real quick. That's one of the things I love about events like that because it's outside of the community you're used to, right? You get exposed to a lot of different aspects about it. You get the brother bikers, you get the outlaw bikers, you get the chopper guys, you get all these different guys. I met this one dude who was deaf. He's a veteran. He was deaf, but he's ridden to all fifty states on his Sportster. Damn. He's ridden to all fifty states. I think. One, I think it was maybe Harley did it, or some company paid for him to go to Hawaii and Alaska. Like, to, they shipped his bike over there so he could fucking do it. Perfect. And I'm just like, that's, like, that's fucking cool. It doesn't matter if you have a fucking hardtail or not. Who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. It's, like, if that's what you're into, fucking awesome. But, yeah, like, it does matter. But there's little chance. Cha- absolutely, it does matter. I don't think it matters. I don't think it's necessary, but yeah. it matters. I mean, I, mean, I want to know. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess when you're talking like points like that, yeah. But I mean, if you're just like, if somebody's just out there like riding because they fucking love doing it, like fucking awesome. Oh, yeah, that's great too. I'll never talk shit about those people. But like, fucking love that shit. But then you do it on a hardtail, it adds a whole nother element to it. Like, it I just, rode. It just takes you to a whole nother level of stupid. Dude, <laughs> it, it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like, how, how can I just make everyone go, are you fucking serious? Have you ever met Panhead Billy? Painhead Billy Burroughs? I don't think I have. Oh my gosh, dude. Um, First time I met him, he's like, you know, the dude's legendary. Yeah. I didn't know it at the time. But he comes up to me, he's like, oh man, so you travel on this panhead. I'm like, yeah. Well, that's fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You know, and he's like, got his panhead, and it, you know, you can tell he lives off of it. Yeah. Dude, you know, like. He's got a dashboard where he keeps his bedroll and then, like, so all the cool. other shit that, you know, yeah. becomes a part of your dash. Like, so the most I've ever ridden one day was, like, 850 miles. I went 250 miles in the wrong direction that day. Good. Well, it was an, I was, like, riding. I was leaving Portland, and I went down by Mount I mean, Hood. You realize that 250 miles in the wrong like that's all, It's fine. Well, check this out. I'm just wondering how... You were able to stop for gas 15 times and not realize you were going the I'm going to explain direction. that. <laughs> I'm going to explain that. So I went down by Mount Hood, and there was this kid that I met who, like, had a sports or, like, extended forks. He just left, like, some camp out or something, and, like, we got to talking, and he really liked choppers or whatever, and he was like, where are you riding to? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, I think I'm going this way. He goes, oh, I think that's the way I'm going. He's like, I'm going to Eugene. I was like, all right. I literally made a triangle. I went down to Mount Hood, and it was some of the most gorgeous riding I've ever done. It was beautiful, so it wasn't, like, at a loss. Yeah. But then I got there, I'm like, how the fuck am I still, like, X amount of miles away? Fuck, I'm not going to get it. Like, I didn't get to where I was going until, like, 2 a.m. Perfect. And I was delirious when I got off my bike. Yeah. Like, but then, but, like, we all rode to Mexico this past year, and my buddy Andrew, he uh, is an amputee below the knee, and he lost in a motorcycle accident. And that bad motherfucker has done, like, 1K in a day on his FXR. You know, that shit's, like, not easy. And like, FXRs, like, whatever, like, they are pretty good riding bikes, but that they solve their problems. They're vintage bikes. And then add to the fact that you're an amputee, too, like, that shit's tough. That's just, like, one limb, That's, one less limb that you have to worry about stretching. No, but you do, dude. <laughs> just kidding. Fuck, dude. <laughs> One less, one less limb to get air conditioning, but like he, uh, but then he rode to Mexico on it with us too. Yeah. But it's hilarious because we pull over the side of the road for a breakdown. He'd get off of his bike, just drop trow and take his fucking leg off with his, and he'd be sitting in his chair. And people would pull him by, like, what the fuck? <laughs> We'd be at a gas so station. His leg open and I'd sit on the foot. Yeah, well, so so he didn't have to take his, so he didn't have to take his like keep putting his like pants back on and off. So he just. Go down to the ankle. He'd like put his pants down around the ankle of the fucking uh, of like his his legs. Then he'd pop his uh, his uh, amputated leg out and rest it on the pro- uh, prosthetic. And he'd be chilling because it was hot as fuck out. Yeah. And no one's gonna tell him to put his clothes on. So he'd be at a gas station. There'd be like people there who are not into this, and we'd be working on a bike. Like Warren had something going on in his cam chest, and we're trying to figure it out. And Andrew's just sitting there in his underwear. It was the best thing ever. We're in Mexico on the side of the road. He's just sitting there in his underwear. Guys are, these guys pulled over and gave us beer out of their like, bags of their bikes. Sick. 
It was awesome. And then, like, because that shit was fucking cool. I'm like, man, I fucking can't imagine. Like, I wrote almost. I haven't even ridden a thousand miles in a day. And, like, I can't imagine fucking, like, how so- some people are just, like, masochists with, like, the competitions when it comes oh, to that dude, stuff. That's, it's a whole other, like, this guy, he's uh, an LDG. No, an LDR, long-distance rider. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of rider. You don't want to get on your bike and follow him. No, because he's just like he's gonna go for a thousand miles. Yeah, like that Charlie Chopper dude or whatever. That one, like he's like a photographer and journalist for like Easy Riders and stuff like that. He's got the fucking rigid uh, twin cam with the giant rigid forks on it and shit. I'm like, man, I would not want to follow that guy. That guy loves riding. He's like, he's pretty old for doing that shit too, right? You know him? Are you, you friends with him? Is, yeah. I thought he was like in his 50s or 60s oh, or something. Yeah. He's like, fuck, he's old. Dude. Yeah. He's so old. Like, I'm, I'm afraid like one good pothole turns you into dust, dude. Like, especially on that thing. <laughs> oh, dude, Charlie, he's, that's his mindset too. So hit him and, uh, oh, fuck, what's the other dude's name? The fucking cop bike kid. Oh, he's not a kid. Shit, I forgot his name. Anyways, he had a podcast for a while. But they did a thousand mile race, and Charlie just fucking smoked him. Smoked him, dude. Didn't he also do like those secret ra- or those races where you stampede the stamp where you race from like X place to X place, and you can only use a map, and you have to keep receipts and do all sorts of crazy yeah, shit. Stampede, yeah. Did Charlie still- do the stampede? I don't know. I thought he like organized it or something. I don't know. No, that's a different Charlie. Okay, that's a different Charlie. Got it. That that's a different Charlie. Okay, getting my yeah, Charlie out of Arizona. Okay, that dude's fucking bad. Yeah, yeah, love that. Yeah, I always like. Well, I want to bring. I, I think it would be cool if people start doing those runs again. Like there was that dude um, out in Nevada, uh, Lady Hump. I think is his Instagram or something like that. But yeah. he did um, this one run out in like Area Fifty One, and yeah. no one was allowed to bring phones. Really? Yeah. No, no phones. phones. No digital photography. I'm going to a comedy called, show coming up, and it's like yeah. phones in a bag or something. Yep. So they like give you a bag. To well, that's how they in. make their bread and butter. They can't have you putting their material out online. Yeah. Oh, you know? I get it. It's just like, yeah. fuck. But like, it was called the analog run. Yeah. Which I think is fucking awesome, you know. Um, that's kind of why I love, you know, a lot of the... Dude, on the way to Sturgis, I did the BDR through Colorado with a fucking paper map. That sounds awesome, dude. I want to do so that. That sounds so sick, cool. Dude, so fucking sick. We're going to do BDR summer story You're gonna this summer. You're going to have to fucking BDR work summer, dude. You're going to have to fucking get a dirt bike or something. Start we can working fi- we on can, your off-road skills. We can figure it out. <laughs> so the next one is uh, I found one in Kentucky I'm going to do when I get back from, from Vegas. Okay. Daytona, Vegas, Kentucky, Teleco Plains. All in March. I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do it all, but... Uh, I'm tired of thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's called the Cat Trail. The Katy Adventure... Kentucky Adventure Trail. That's cool. It's not part of the BDR, but the same kind of deal. Right, right. And then Harley's, Harley's doing a fucking... Uh, I don't know if they're sponsoring it or what. Some kind of Teleco Plains Adventure Rally. We'll get up about it. I'm I want to try and... I want to document more. I think, like, that's also stuff I want to get into is, like, the other side of motorcycles that is not choppers, like dirt bikes and shit like that. That stuff is fucking yeah. wild. There's a, I mean, dude, that fucking industry is 
is huge right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just huge. Uh, outdoor anything right now is huge. But it would be cool to document it from your perspective as someone who's like kind of like an outsider in that shit, you know? And you do it in a completely different way than most people are accustomed to doing it. I do everything a little bit Very, Very off the hip. A little bit differently. Very off the hip. Yeah. Who the fuck is this redneck doing showing up here? Where did he yeah, come from? Yeah, what kind of dirt bike experience you got? Uh, so I'll tell you exactly what kind of dirt bike experience I got. Um, over COVID, I bought a TTR125 to learn how to do wheelies in the backyard with it. Oh, sick. And uh, then I took it to our buddy Mike's property up in Ohio, and he has some trails in the back. Of it. He's got, or he's got some trails near his space. And, like, there's some pretty good, like, hill climbs and shit. Like, I actually got to go and do that on that 125, and I fucking did it. Yeah, I mean, you're a small guy. Yeah, it was fucking... It was was a perfect size bike, because of 250, I could not put my fucking... Dude, I'm 5'6". I don't think you can lower them enough. Like, you'd have to put bags on it at that point. Like, fuck, I can't lower... uh, Like, 125s are great for me. Love it. Yeah. And if I really got into it, I'm sure I could, like... Modify it and make it fucking faster. No, you fucking just gear fucking it. do what we did as kids. You get it started and you put your foot on one peg and take off. Climb over it. You missed the part where I didn't grow up around that. <laughs> so one time, first I'm time, telling you. The like, funniest thing is, first time I ever got on a dirt bike, right? It was vintage days in Ohio. And I was like, yeah, just take my 250 over to the bar, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, cool. And I, like, I could ride a motorcycle, so I was like, all right, cool. And I just. I don't know why I was hammered, by the way, but I just didn't like start letting off the clutch and like run with it. And I just hopped on top of it and just fell over to the side. <laughs> TTR 125. Yep. I mean, that's the size of my eight year old rides. Yeah, probably. I'm also the size of an eight year old. So what do you want from me? I'm just saying, we got to get out to keep, it's fine, keep climbing. I bet your eight year old rides way better than most grown men, too. Dude, we got to jump out there that they keep fucking, like, now I have to build. A, it's, Let it's me hit that. I want to hit that jump. Dude. I'm going to hit They're that like jump. Fucking way clear in the landing, just flat, dude. I'm like, oh, God, we got to. Yeah. There's no, like, I had to get them pads. Yeah, because you're, you're like, man, I, these kids are going to hurt. Like, yeah, like, when I see them out yeah. there, I'm like, the last uh, track we were at, dude, they're racing some fucking kid who's like a Fucking pro flat tracker. I mean, they weren't like keeping up with him, but next thing you know, I'd see how fast my kid's going on the track. Every other kid out there is like head to toe. My kid doesn't even have your kids are like gloves on. Your kids are just like shirtless and jean shorts or something. And a fucking pawn shop helmet. I'm like, all right, we gotta we gotta step it up a little bit. God, I'm just imagining like a kid in jean shorts and a rat tail, and that's it. Like no shirt, no shoes, no nothing. Just that's how they started. I bet. I mean, they go to the skate park with their skateboard bare feet. Just, they, they're not right. Really not right. Not well adjusted. I found out that for, right. for a while they didn't, they didn't like riding their dirt bike. Not that they didn't like riding it, but they just never wanted to ride. And I don't ever like, you know, whatever. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, then I realized, like, when we have to go some places, I have to make them put shoes on. Then I started noticing, once the shoes are on, they're like, oh, let's ride the dirt bikes. They literally were not riding the dirt bikes because they had to put shoes on to ride them. I'm like, oh, my God. Just lazy at that point. It was like, man, I don't want to put in the effort to put shoes no, on. No, they just don't like wearing shoes. So kids are I, primitive. I dude. get them some boots, and they're like, oh, these boots are cool to put on. 
and they're like, they fucking love riding that. Some like square toe Justins or something. No, I got them dirt bike boots. Cool. Like 10 sizes too big, so I don't have to buy anymore for a long time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ima- I'm imagining they looked a lot like those, cr- like the crusty demon kids. Like, you've seen those crusty demon videos, like, uh, pre, like, metal militia days and shit like that. I grew up on that shit. Yeah, man. like, that's your kids. It's like they're from Florida. Dude, they are, like... I mean, they really, they fucking go to they, Florida they're like twice if, a if year. If Dade County was a person, they'd be your kids. <laughs> no, not Dade. <laughs> no, not Dade. Or they're maybe, actually, like... They're going to Florida, fuck, in a few weeks. We're going to Honduras in a few weeks, too. Taking the fucking kids. Doris, huh? Yeah. It's wild. Fucking cool. Maybe your kids are more like Northern California and stick with me because California's San Francisco. I already lost you. LA. Hold up. Just, this is funny. The, it's California's San Francisco, San Diego, San Diego, LA, and can't, Kentucky. Like, that's the rest of California. It's those, like, major cities and then the rest no, is no. Kentucky, dude. No, 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 no. I've been there. It's not Kentucky. I mean, uh, there's some towns Bakersfield there. Bakersfield is close to Lubbock. Dude, but. when I first moved to California, I was like, what's in Bakersfield? Somebody goes, nothing. It's God's blind spot. <laughs> it's God's blind spot? Yeah, and it's true. I went to a wedding in Bakersfield. I didn't get the memo. Did you they, go to the Crystal Palace? No. Oh, you fucked. I fucked up. up but I wasn't, dude. I just wanted to get in and out anyway because like, I, so my, they were my neighbors. They invited me to their wedding. I was like, yeah, I'll show up. I never got an invitation. They just like invited me like informally, right? I show up in a suit thinking it's like a fucking wedding, right? Everyone's in fucking flannels and jeans. And I show up in a fucking suit. I had this dude, a club dude, come up to me and be like, and he's like, and it's cut and everything goes, you a cop? The fuck? No, I'm not a fucking cop. I still wonder. It's the mustache. It is the mustache. It's the mustache. (laughs) Oh, dude, I'll never forget... Roadside roasting you in Daytona last Fuck, year. Fuck, dude. Kip. He started calling me Kip. Or, like, he started calling me the name of that dude from Napoleon Dynamite that, like, <laughs> has the mustache or whatever. The, the older brother, the yeah, football player? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. I imagine you throwing a football is fucking bad. It's not that bad. I can throw a football. I throw a pigskin, brother. <laughs> oh, shit. Did you ever play any sports? Were you an athletic person? Uh, I was a swimmer in high school. A swimmer. A swimmer. In high school. I was. I was a high school swimmer. Show you some photos. It's hilarious. Back when Michael Phelps was popular? Uh, fucking no, not really. I think it was around his drug days. I don't know. <laughs> when he was popular? He was popular, yeah. yeah. Fucking smoking weed. But uh, no, I, I tried sports. I didn't like doing the sports. I like, because of skateboarding, I grew up skateboarding. I could do it all myself. I would go, I like, I did not have a lot of friends growing up. Yeah. Didn't. I just... And I can't blame them. I was an annoying fucking kid. But it's also like, uh, I just did skateboarding because I didn't have any friends. Like, I could do it alone. Yeah. And it was very, it was very, like, cathartic. Because you you have aggression from the day. I I got bullied a lot. I was, like, a little overweight redhead kid. And that South Park episode had come out. I shit you not. That South Park episode came out about redheads. And, dude, my life became a living fucking hell. For real. For real. Like people were like, I had teachers, people would pull up like screens about how to eradicate gingers and how to prevent getting fucking like bit by them and shit like that. It was like shit like that. And like, I was, I, I like was a kid. I moved around a lot as a kid. Oh, like our man. family moved. Yeah, you did get made fun of. Oh yeah. It was bad. And I was like almost 200 pounds. No way. Yeah. 
No way, Dead dude. You serious. were a short, fat I was a short, fat kid. kid. And uh, there's no photos of me from that time either. So Yeah, right. Dead serious. Yeah, right. No, dead serious. Like, yeah, I'm dead right, fucking serious. Dude. Like, there's no photos. There is a photo. But uh, <laughs> you want there hey, to be a somebody, photo. If somebody can get me a photo of Liam back <laughs> when he was 200 pounds, I got something for you. <laughs> but That was the most nervous laugh I've ever heard out so of you. So <laughs> I am nervous. But, um, no, it's so funny. Like, a lot of those same dudes that bully me started, like, I'm not doing this to brag. I just think it's funny how like tables turn. Started following me on Instagram and stuff like they, they find like they had my Facebook and they somehow saw that I had Instagram or something or like it suggests friends, you know the algorithm and shit yeah, like yeah. that. They started following me and now they want to be like buddy buddy with me. Oh yeah, dude, you put me through some of the worst years of my life. Why the fuck do I want to be your friend? So have you gone back to like any high school reunions? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't talk. I talk. The only person that I talked to that even remotely went to high school with me was a year ahead of me in school, and he was in the Marines. And the only time that we beca- we became better friends when we met up again in Japan, because it was a completely different environment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I don't talk to a single person. Like I have no desire to talk to anybody I went to school with. No desire. Damn it. Whatsoever. Um, and so anyway, I digress. But like I I started skateboarding a lot and like that was the only like out i really had yeah how many boards did you go through at 200 pounds i mean i went through a lot good and i was 185 good Jeez. amount i mean th- well that was really before i got heavy into sk- like i was skateboarding but i wasn't like every fucking day at the park yet yeah. um i ended up like I got into this huge fight at school and that's when I really was like, and then I went skateboard after it. And then I realized like what the benefits of it were. So around that time I cut out drinking soda and sweets out of my diet too. When you were in high school? No, when I was in middle school. Whoa. I realized this. I realized I was drinking a lot of soda and uh, this was like, I mean, we took nutrition classes and they were like, Oh, sodas are really fucking bad for me. I'm like, well, let's see what happens when I cut these. And I went to my mom was like, I want to lose weight. I was like, what it like I'm cutting out soda. And she's like, well, you should cut out, these snacks too and she made sure to get like better food for me too yeah i dropped 15 fucking pounds cutting out soda damn i still don't drink i drink soda once a year to this day root beer yeah have a root beer every once have a root have a root beer float every once in a while yeah fuck or yeah. have sprite sometimes sprite you know? or ginger ale. Oh. no ginger ale that's what it is ginger ale. i love ginger ale root beer but like i don't um but yeah and that and so then I started dropping weight and then I started getting better at skateboarding because you actually like lift my fat fucking body, you know? Yeah, dude. But then when we moved to Indiana, I lived walking distance to a skate park. Oh, shit. So I was there 16 hours a day. I'd wake up and go straight to the skate park and be there till it was fucking dark and then go home. You can't see, I played drums in a fucking garage that was 120 degrees and then skateboarded all the time. I couldn't fucking gain weight like not even if you tried. Dude, when I was really young playing sports, I was too big to like hold the football, you know? Yeah. There was like a weight limit. So they would make me do like wind sprints and like Right. In the middle of the summer with black sweats on, you know, like just trying to kill you. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like brutal. They're trying to they're trying like, to get me to lose fucking fifteen pounds. Fuck that. That's another thing is like I I can't imagine doing something like that because somebody else told you that it would be like good for you. Oh, like re- like I think there's a huge benefit to being like a wrestler and stuff like that and all this like I think that shit's awesome, but now I think it's awesome. Back then, I was like, all I want to do 
is skateboard, and that's it. Everything yeah. else can fuck off. Liam, thank you for stopping by, dude. I talked to him last night. He's still on the road. He's headed to Seattle today from San Francisco. Oh, dude, he's like, he must just be fucking taking his time now because I thought he was going to be home at this point. But uh, Liam, thanks for stopping by, dude. The photos you've been taking are fucking great. And I can't wait for you to take some more and send them to me, dude. I want some more photos of Wes. You didn't send me all of them. I need all of them, dude. I want to see all the photos of my boy, Wes. And if you're going to be in Daytona, speaking of Wes from Custom Destruction, if you're going to be in Daytona, Wes will be set up at Willie's Tropical Tattoo for the Chopper Time Chopper Show. Check him out there. And I bet he'll be set up at Annie Oakley's for Boogie East. Presented to you by Lowbrow Customs. Dude, Lowbrow sent some fucking show wag to give away. They're going to have a hardtail sportster kit, a bunch of shit. You know, you need to be there. Unfortunately, I will not be making it, but you need to be there. Uh, If you're going to be there on Monday the 7th, come see me at the Choppers Magazine Choppers Show at the Daytona International Speedway. Is that, is that, should that be my, God, it sounds too much like dump truck. If I go fucking deep, get the raspiness, what's going to be my MC voice? Should it be a little bit of Ric Flair? Oh, God. If I listen to that, I, w- I won't be able to listen to that and put this podcast out, so I'll just put it out. Hey, you guys have a wonderful fucking day. Peace. Peace.